This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of men. You are the Renaissance. And the truth is that after I got out of college, I had this idea for this website called Carpe Diem. And Diem are my initials, obviously. And Carpe being seize the day, a play on, on that. And I had a whole folder of posts that I was going to write. I could actually pull it up, like what posts I had that I was going to write on Carpe Diem. I, so this is, I'm, I now have my notes open. And June 29th, 2018, I had this idea for a blog. And here were some of the post ideas. Taking the first step, realizing your potential, increasing your self-concept, like the easy versus hard, being selfish and focusing on yourself, visualizing a goal, so routines and habits. So I had this idea in June of 2018. What happened was in June of 2018, I got distracted by money. I got distracted (laughs) by, oh, wow, what is this thing called drop shipping? What is this thing? Like, forget carpe diem. Like, let me just make money. (laughs) That's going to help solve problems. And it's so fascinating that now I'm going back to Carpe Diem. I'm going back to that blog when I was 13, 14, 15, and doing something so similar to that, the true version of myself. And Mm -hmm. tapping into that is where all the power lies from my perspective. Hello. My name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. How much positivity do you have in your life? No, really. Not breaks from negativity or quiet time, but actual, no-holds-barred positive energy. Because the world today, among its many other problems, seems like it's obsessed with negativity, even if you don't watch the news. People are stressed out. Music is often dark or angry. Movies are violent, etc. I'm sure I don't have to tell you. And amidst all that, Positivity, like a happy news site or cat picture, often comes off as superficial. Somehow, compared with the gravity of negativity, positivity almost seems weightless, and not in a good way. But there's one exception, when it's coming from a person, someone who radiates happiness, light, and spirit. Because a person has weight and substance, you can't simply scroll away, and a sincere, living, and breathing smile on your face can often make the difference between a good day and a bad. Meeting just such a person is a rare blessing, and it just so happens I did. His name is Danny Miranda, and he's the host of the popular Danny Miranda podcast, where he interviews some of the world's top performers on behalf of those pursuing their highest version. He's talked to men whose names you might know, like Ed Lattimore, Solbra, and Johnny Noble. He's spoken with Gary Vee, Zuby, and Dan Goh, as well as Manny from Well-Built Style, Jack Butcher, Tej Dosa, and dozens of other names that I don't know, but probably should. Danny and I met on Twitter in a spontaneous encounter where I made a podcast joke that he responded to, a quick click of a link, and I discovered he was a podcaster too. Minutes later, we were in the DMs, 
scheduling this podcast. You can hear the whole story in our conversation, during which we also discuss the story behind starting his popular podcast and how he got into it by desiring to share his positive energy with the world for free. The importance of mindset and how to cultivate your attention towards the best and most positive things in your day. The practice of self-love, why perfectionism is boring and how consistency is key. About his vision for the Danny Miranda podcast and its connection to a famous sports stadium. And finally, the story behind how he did 75 Hard with copywriting and social media superstar Tej Dosa, a program which played a major role in my story as well. As should be obvious by now, Danny's got a lot going for him. Stellar guests, a sharp mind, lots of momentum, and killer friends. But to me, what really stands out about him is that positivity I mentioned. It's infectious. And by the end of our conversation together, which to date is his longest, I think you can hear my smile as his positivity got to me and stuck around. Finally, I have something to thank Twitter for. So it's with great pleasure that I introduce this week's guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast, host of the Danny Miranda podcast, Danny Miranda. Danny, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Will, for having me. This is, I'm so excited to do this. I am too. And uh, I'm usually really methodical about my podcast bookings and really targeted. I spent a lot of time thinking it through and structuring it and everything, but we connected so spontaneously on Twitter. And sometimes you just got to jump like, okay, here's an opportunity jump. And so then, you know, we, we booked it and I started looking into your stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, now, now I get why we're supposed to talk. So I'm really excited <laughs> to have this conversation with you. Was it like the universe just giving you all the signs that this was the right person? This was the right conversation to have in this moment? Yeah, it was, it was really a feeling like, this is, this is an opportunity. Like this door suddenly presents itself, walk through the door. It was a real feeling like, okay, you have to make a decision right now. Yes or no. I'm like, yes, right now go Sent the tweet <laughs> and like, and the, the podcast is booked. I'm like, awesome. Okay. So I committed that. I love that feeling. It doesn't happen all the time. I'm sure you know the feeling though. Yeah, absolutely. And, but it's exciting. That's the thing about doing a podcast is like, you never know what's going to happen next. You never know what door is going to open or, or what's going to happen. And that's part of what keeps me going and keeps the thrill going for me in that it's a never ending ride and I'm just excited to be on it. And I'm sure you are as well. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Like I, I really didn't expect to be having this much fun with it, but as soon as I got into it, like, this is great. Everyone should do this. In fact, I, I would love to hear more people doing podcasts because so many people have so much to share and so many thoughts going on in their minds and podcasts are just such a great opportunity for people to share that with others that we're creating this dialogue, this global dialogue of everyone discussing what's going on within themselves. And that's inspiring everyone and kind of rocketing around the world. It's really cool to participate in that. Yeah. And what I like to tell people too, is like, if you don't think you have time in your schedule for a full, to start a real podcast, because it is a huge time commitment, try to have six to 10 long form conversations with friends and family where you press record and neither one of you looks at your phone because I think that's a great way to kind of mimic what we're doing without having to do all the post-production and all the extra stuff that comes along with it. So yeah, I think that just long-form conversations are needed in the world today, especially in a crazy time. And if you can't actually create a podcast and do all the things that we're doing here, it's like what you can do is record conversations with your iPhone or just a phone or a recorder and and mimic the experience. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and I know a couple guys that have just started podcasts that they felt really inspired to do it. And that's literally what they did is they started recording a voice note on their phone and then they posted it on the internet. I mean, obviously they went through the trouble to, you know, do it properly on anchor and stuff like that, but it can be that simple. And the response to these guys has been, has been amazing. I think so many people want to know what's going on inside of their friend's head and inside of the head of people that they know and admire and respect. And that could be surprising. Like people want to know what I have to say. It's like, well, yes, they do. You know, and that's the incredible thing to discover. Yeah. That was the biggest thing that held me back, right. From starting my own podcast, I had recorded these episodes and then I had a bit of resistance. And I said to myself, like, do people really want to know what I have to say? Am I really going to put myself out there? And should I do this? And it was after recording some episodes. So I was forced to actually publish them because I didn't want to waste the time of the guests that I had interviewed before. Um, So that was good to push me. But there was definitely some of that feeling of like, am I, do I even have a voice to, to give to some of these issues? And it's been the, the greatest decision of my life. So I'm grateful that I, I didn't give in to that resistance, you know? Well, that's awesome. Well, actually, uh, I've listened to a, a few of your podcasts. And so I'm curious for the listeners who don't know you, who you are and where you come from and, and your background. I wonder if you can give a, b- a brief introduction about yourself and sort of say how you got into podcasting, what led you to that decision and what your podcast is about. Yeah. So what I did was starting in March of 2020, I, I just started reading more than I'd ever read before. I've always been a big reader, but because of all the extra time on my hands, I started reading. And what was happening was that I wanted to talk to some of the authors that I was reading. And I was like, wow, that would be so cool if I could ask this author the question or that author a question. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind. Another thing was that three different friends of mine all separately told me that they would love to hear me have a podcast. And that was just weird to me that three different people would say that. And every time they told me, I was like, nah, nah, like it's not for me. Everyone has a podcast. It's, it's such a general thing to do, but I, it, it was in the back of my head. And then the third thing was that I put out on Twitter, who wants to talk on the phone? I, I just want to give my positivity, love energy to you. And if you'd like to do that, then let's talk on the phone. And I had such incredible conversations with people. People had told me that that was the greatest conversation they've had in a long time. I thought I was learning so much. And I was like, you know, it's a shame that wasn't recorded. Mm-hmm. So all three of those factors combined led to me to say, okay, I should start a podcast. What my podcast is about is about pursuing the highest version of yourself. And I talk to writers, creators, entrepreneurs, high performers, all these, all different people that I'm interested in. And I'm, I'm asking them questions about how they got to where they're at and why they do certain things. And the the podcast has been the most fruitful thing that I've ever done in my life. I feel so blessed to have expanded my network to learn and to share that knowledge with other people. And that's, that's pretty much how the Danny Miranda podcast came to be starting in September going to now we're recording in March 1st, 2021. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit of the story. September of last year is when you started it. Yeah. So let me, let me see if I understand. You put out on Twitter that, hey, who wants to just talk on the phone with me so I can share some love with you? Just anyone who wants to have a, a phone call, not recorded, just like who wants some love? And you, and you said, here, call me. Or you didn't put your number online, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So I had people message me their numbers. And 
it was really interesting because people were expecting that I was going to sell them something. <laughs> yeah, and, of course. You know, like one person was like, I was giving this guy advice, like this 18 year old kid, he, was, he needed help with specific situations. And, I, and then after 30 minutes, he said, okay, what are you going to try to sell me now? And I said, nothing. I, I just want to help you, man. Like, I just want to help you go through whatever you're going through. And he was like, what? Like he couldn't believe it. Right. He couldn't wrap his head around. And that happened a couple of times. And it was just, uh, that was a sign that I was on the right path. I didn't know that that would lead to the podcast Mm -hmm. at the time, but enough, it happened enough times and people were enjoying it enough times that I was like, okay, there's really something here. Can you tell me or tell the listeners about one or two of those conversations. I'm coming I'm kind of curious what sort of things people people shared because I know that there's, you know, various I don't know if you've ever heard of Post Secret. It was a website a few years ago where people could write their secrets on postcards and mail them to this address and then it would get published online. Uh, this isn't this was a website at the time. And people will share really interesting things about their lives that you would never expect is real once you give them the chance to open up. So if you can share something that maybe isn't too personal or identifiable for somebody. Yeah. I mean, the the biggest thing that that I got out of those calls were that people just wanted to be heard. Like you mm-hmm. said, people wanted to talk about their problems or their issues because so often what happens is that we're in our head all the time. And these things are wrapping around our head and we haven't spoken them out to any, anyone. Um, but off the top of my head, I mean, the most memorable one was that, that kid who, who texted or who called me and was, was telling me about how he was having trouble with his girlfriend. They just broke up and, you know, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to handle the situation. And he was worried about going to the gym because people like my judge him at the gym. He was like an 18 or 19 year old kid. And what I did was I said to him, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to send each other a hundred pushups because if you are scared to go to the gym, why don't, you know, you, you could still work out. You can still do it in your own home. So I'm going to send you a hundred pushups every day and you're going to send me a hundred pushups every day. Wow. And we ended up doing that for, I would say a month. And, you know, th- things like that can really help someone. And and just give them that confidence to like let them know that, you know, they can be a different version of themselves. I, it's so easy to fall into these ruts, man, of like, I am this type of person. I am someone who doesn't go to the gym. I am scrawny. I am weak. I'm stupid. All these things. But the truth is like, we can change so much of ourselves through reading, through learning, through going to the gym, through meditating. Like we are absolutely changeable beings. And it's sometimes the belief of someone else that needs to get you there first. Someone else has got to believe that about you before you believe it about yourself. Mm-hmm. That's at least what I've found. That's absolutely true. One of, one of the things you and I share in common is a connection, <clears throat> excuse me, with, is a connection with Tej Dosa. And uh, I discovered his stuff probably around the middle of last year once I got back on Twitter. And so I listened to your podcast with him where he interviewed you. It was nice to get to hear, nice to get to hear his voice. And that's a big thing that he talks about is what is your story, your life? There is this essence of being that we all share. Life is flowing through us every, every minute. And then on top of that, we wrap this persona or the story that we tell ourselves and we can change that story anytime we can focus on different aspects of our past and and re and redevelop the narrative that leads to our present and retell us a story about who we are now and then that affects our future 
And so many people don't understandably think that way because there's a lot coming in from the outside that's trying to tell us who we're supposed to be and what we are, including from our upbringing and our media and stuff like that. So it sounds like you just needed to help this kid reestablish this idea of who he could be for himself. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, you bring up Tej. Tej was the person who did that for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Tej, I didn't believe in myself to be someone who could do hard things, who could complete difficult challenges. And it was through doing this program called 75 Hard. Did Me and Tej did it together. And he was believing in me. And so now I feel like I have this obligation, in a sense, to pass along this belief in others along. Because I know how much that changed my life. I know how much that impacted me on a day-to-day basis and changed my being as a person. So if I can give that to one person, that connection, that realness, that uh, that belief in someone else, then that is the that is what I am obligated to do almost. Now, that's a that's a situation with Ted where you didn't actually know him, that you just kind of put out that let's do this together and he jumped in and decided to do it with you. Yeah, so what happened with that was we had texted, we were texting and we're friends from the internet, but I said to him, Hey, I'm starting this program. And he said, cool, I'm doing it too. Let's text each other at the end of each day. Mm-hmm. So it was a 75 day program. I thought, what is this guy? He doesn't, he's going to want to hear from me every day. He's going to want me to text him every day. And I was like, why would he want that? And whatever. But I was able to just do the process, trust the process, and it great things happened because of it. Changed my life. That's another thing we have in common is 75 hard. Because I did that last <laughs> year. Started, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm listening to this podcast you did with him. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, there's that and that and that and that. <laughs> I did it starting in February of last year. And it was absolutely, absolutely life-changing. So tell people who don't know about 75 hard uh, what it was at the time. It's changed quite a bit, I, I've noticed. But um, tell, tell people what it was at the time. Yeah. So I think what, what has changed is that I've also done the live hard program. Oh, wow. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that, but 75 hard is the first part of the live hard program. And it is for 75 days straight, you have to take a progress picture. You have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book. You have to do two workouts. One of them has to be outside. You have to follow a clean diet and you have to take a progress picture. Did I say that? I'm not mm, sure. I don't think so. I think you did. You get the did drink I get a gallon of water. Drink a gallon of water. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I always <laughs> so, forget them too. No, I mean it's it's uh it sounds like five simple things, right? But it's like doing them consistently mm-hmm. is the difference maker, and doing them, you know, when you don't want to do them, and it's like some point in that 75 days you're not going to want to do two workouts. Some point you're not going to want to drink a gallon of water. Some point you might forget to take a progress picture. And what it instilled in me was just that absolute need to do it, even if you don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. And and what needs to be done has to get done. And you're better because of it. You have a stronger belief in yourself. And so, yeah, it changed my life from that perspective. But what about you? What how's it? How did it transform you, if at all? Oh my gosh, I lost forty pounds. Well, not on the whole <laughs> program because you can't lose forty yeah. pounds in seventy five days. Well, healthily, but I had just um, I was living in New Zealand in twenty nineteen, and uh, there was a woman I thought we were going to get married. She wasn't my fiance yet, but that was the direction we were heading. But it turns out it didn't work out, and so that I moved from New Zealand back to America in February, 
And as soon as, and I put on a bunch of weight because I was kind of grieving the end of the relationship. Like it just wasn't working out. And it took a really long time for me to wind it down with integrity. And I didn't just like split and take off. There were other factors that I really have to do this the right way. So then when I got back to Phoenix, I was really, really upset. Um, You know, I was hurting and I had just moved across the ocean and everything. And I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And so having that momentum and then the lockdown happened like 30 days into it. And so already having that 75 hard momentum behind it, when I went into lockdown world and was totally alone in a new city in an empty apartment while the world's going crazy, it's like, I can control this. And it really kept me stable for the next few months, you know, when everything went nuts and it was a huge transformative experience for me, it opened the door and that's where the Renaissance of Men came from. Wow. That's powerful. That's really powerful. Yeah. It's like when you have that momentum, especially in a a difficult time, Mm -hmm. like it, it's, uh, it makes you stronger. It makes you a a harder person. It makes you a, a better person. And it's like, that is available to us at all times, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes we we think, okay, in difficult times or good times, I'm going to act a certain way. But it's like, even when it's neither of those, you can just, it, the the path is open to you, as Jocko Willink would say, mm-hmm. you know? So it's uh, it's really interesting. And I'm so happy to hear that the program was so helpful for you in such a crazy time. I think everyone who finishes it, when they get through it, it turns out to be, and not just for the program itself, you know, for whatever reason, everyone I've talked to who's completed the program say that it's, says that it's life-changing, but not just for the program, but because of the timing. Something about the magic of when you commit to it and you really do it, it is the right time for you. And it sounds like it was that for you too. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, I'm doing this in September. I'm going to end in December. And you know, I'm going to miss all the drinking and all the partying that's going to happen with my friends and Thanksgiving break. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, like, I don't know if I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And by that, the time that had that that came up, like day 60, day 70, I was a completely different person mm-hmm. at that point and ready to just like, like I was transformed. And, you know, there's never going to be a right time, like mm-hmm. you suggested, like, it wasn't the right time for me because, oh, this fell during Thanksgiving break and I was going to have to, you know, eat healthy with my family and not go out and party. But like, that's the program. The program mm-hmm. is it's never going to be the right time and that it's always the right time because of that. Mm-hmm. So now this yeah. is 2019 you're talking about because you started your podcast in September 2020 and you did uh, 75 hard in September 2019. Yeah, I, did, I actually didn't realize <clears throat> that it was a year after I started. But yeah, that. That's true. It was. That is pretty incredible. Now, what inspired you to do it at that particular time? The program or yeah, seventy five hard back in September of twenty nine. Like, what led you to make the choice to do that? Yeah, so I had quit my job, and I was looking for a way to just get myself on the right foot, get mm-hmm. myself going, get myself in a direction that I didn't know what direction I was going into, and I I just wanted to get myself moving. And I saw it online and I was like, yep, this is tomorrow. This begins. No, no dilly dallying. Just like, wow, we're going tomorrow and I don't have a job and I need to do something. I need to get active and I need to transform. And this is what I'm going to do. And saw it online on like a, a Monday night, started on Tuesday, just got after it and wasn't the same since, like haven't been the same since. 
Wow. Where did you see it? I, I'm not sure, honestly. Yeah, right. Just Google, Instagram. I have no idea. Just so, for whatever reason, it fell into my lap at the perfect time. I just want to highlight how incredible that is that I think so many people these days, anyone struggles with being decisive. And to hear that here's this, it's called 75 hard. It's not 75 easy. You know, you can look at it and you can see that, oh, wow, this is going to be really tough. And you just pulled the trigger instantly. That's incredible. I, I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone do something like that. Oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to commit to that for 75 days. And then you just went chasing after it. You know, it's really funny that you say that because last night my mom said to me, you know, one thing about you is you're very decisive. Mm. And I've never thought of myself as someone who's decisive. But the truth is that it's true. And if you think about it, the more decisions you make and the more failures you make along the way, mm. the quicker you're going to get to success. Mm-hmm. And I've never thought about it that way until last night, until my mom brought it up. <laughs> Amazing. But it, it's, it's really the truth, right? Like the more failures that occur along the path are going to lead to more success and, and where you want to go. And sometimes what separates that is just making the decision of I'm going to do this. And even if it doesn't work out, that's still a win. Mm -hmm. You're still winning when you are deciding and failing because you're moving forward if you so choose to believe that. Mm -hmm. So I'm big into decision-making. I'm big into making that decision, making that commitment, sticking to it and giving everything the best of your abilities because that's what life is all about. You know, you only got one of these. So every second you waste, it's like, I got one life behind me on the mm-hmm. poster. It's like mm-hmm. every second you waste is is like something you're never going to get back. Our time is our most precious asset. So why don't we use that to make decisions, stick to them and, and let the chips fall where they may. If you fail, you fail. But if you get back up, that's what life's all about. Well, have you always been this way? Have you always been very decisive and very quick? Or is it and then something that you put to work for yourself in that particular moment? Or is this a skill you developed? I think that, you know, in some things, I've been incredibly decisive, like 75 hard, but in other things like quitting my job, it, it took me like, I don't know, two, three months to realize that I needed to. Mm-hmm. It took me, you know, some time to then make the decision, but you know, it, it's, it's a, it's dependent on the situation and dependent on, on, um, what was in front of me at the time. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying my best. And, and it's something that I've noticed in key decision makers, you know, like, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, not to compare myself to Mm. them, but just to see how they operate, right? Is like they make quick decisions. And if you, I think it's such an important trait. And I've never realized that I was that type of person, but I guess history speaks for itself. Well, you're making me think of this book. It's called uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Have you heard of this book? By Daniel Kahneman, yeah. Have you read it? Just bits and pieces of it, like picking up here and there. I have I haven't read it, but you you what you're saying makes me think of that, and that everyone who, re- who reads it says it's an incredible book. So, it uh, just came to mind as maybe something maybe we can do some we can both read it. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I have it sitting in my library, so I, I'd love to read it because it's one that's been staring me in the face, and people have referred to a bunch of times. So maybe this is the push to to get us going on thinking fast and slow by Daniel Kahneman. And then you you took that same you took that same skill that same decisive decision-making skill to 75 hard. And then you said, I'm going to do a podcast. And you just put that, you just kick that into action. And before, before we started recording, you said you had recorded 20 episodes before you, you pushed your first one live. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's, I appreciate the kind words. And the thing is, 
I enjoyed the process so much and mm-hmm. it was so much fun. And I, like I was telling you before, it was like, I thought I was going to do one a week. I thought, you know, I'm just going to start a podcast. This is going to be a good way for me to network. This is going to be a good way for me to make friends and learn about people and, and help other people after publishing. But what I found was like, oh my God, this is, I feel called to do this. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, like in a sense of like, this is where I need to be in this moment. This is, this is made for me. This is what I, I love doing because of two things, right? Like one is I love to read on one hand. I'm a huge reader. I'm a huge learner. And I, I love doing that. On the other, I am love talking to people. And, you know, like mm-hmm. when you have that combination, not everyone has that, right? Like right. most people are introverted or some people are introverted and it's hard to talk to people. Some people are extroverted and it's hard to pick up a book. But for some reason, I've been blessed with both naturally, like just a, just a pure gift. And so podcasting is the combination of those two, mm-hmm. where you're reading, you're learning about the person, you're diving into them, and then you're also speaking and trying to convey that information to the, the person you're speaking to, as well as the audience. So I felt blessed to be able to do it and felt like, wow, this is me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment. I know that feeling exactly. Because as soon as I started doing this, I'm like, oh, wait, I have a pro audio background. I love talking to people. I love learning about people. Like, yeah, fantastic. Well, and that's how we initially connected as I retweeted you because you had talked about having these conversations. And one of the things I've been saying lately, just kind of as a joke, as I say, you know, if you call some random famous person and you say, hey, do you want to have a conversation for two hours? They'll be like, no. But if you call a random, if you message a random famous person, you say, hey, do you want to have a conversation for two hours and I'll put it on the internet? People say yes. <laughs> and so you, you responded to that and I said, okay, well, clearly, you know, do you want to record our conversation for two hours and put it on the internet? And your response was awesome. You said, you know the answer to that. And then like, bam, so here we are. And I thought that was, that was that spontaneous thing. Like maybe I was absorbing some of your decisive vibes, like, okay, bang, let's just go for it because here's the opportunity. Yeah. And the thing is, it sounds funny when you put it in those terms, the way you did it. But the truth is that the scale and the leverage of the internet is not something most people grasp Mm -hmm. and people who are famous or rich or, or in high positions in society do understand the, the leverage of the internet Mm -hmm. to many extents. So you know, it's like most people, it sounds like it's a great statement and it's a great like tongue in cheek, but the truth is the internet will be here most likely, you know, when we're gone, when, when in years from now, if like your kids or your grandchildren want to listen to uh, this episode or an episode you did with someone, they'll be able to go back to that. Like, think about that. There was no way you know, a hundred years ago for any old person to just record a conversation and just talk and then have that be preserved. Mm -hmm. Like that is an incredible concept and it could go over, it could go all over the world instantaneously. Like that is absurd. We were blessed to live in this era where, where the internet is everywhere, where the internet is, and it's not everywhere yet, but it's almost everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's going to get to that point where it is everywhere and it lasts forever. And it's just like, this is a very hard thing for me to grasp, you know, but Mm -hmm. like it shouldn't be understated. The internet is real. The power of it is real. And you start to see that with GameStop, you know, (laughs) with the stock market. And you start to see that with Bitcoin's rise. Like these things are here to stay. And 
you know, I think we're just on the the very, very beginning. Like, I think these are the stone ages of the internet. Mm-hmm, I agree. And, you know, it's not, we're not having a conversation like, so how you doing? How's the family? <laughs> you know, the, there's something different between, you know, some sort of casual conversation and, and having an actual conversation about thoughts and ideas. So that's the, that's the distinction that's hiding in there. But nonetheless, like, even if I, yeah. just, even if I said to, you know, to any of the podcasts that guests that you've had on or any of the podcast guests that I've had on, like, even if we wouldn't, they wouldn't agree to have a two hour conversation, even Definitely. about ideas, but you're right. That's a really good point about leveraging the internet because it's an opportunity for us to get these ideas out and get our ideas out and our perspectives out. And you're right. People do see that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, there's a, a brief moment in time right now where so many people are accessible. I don't know if, if everyone's, I don't know how this is going to play out 10 years from now, but it's like a brief moment in time where you know, you can reach out to so many people, so many people will respond to you. And I just feel blessed to live in this time where I'm getting responses from, you know, my heroes, from mm-hmm. people I've looked up to for a long time. And so I, I don't know, I just got to, you got to keep the momentum going, right? Like that's, that's what it's all about. Now, who have been some of your favorite podcast conversations? You've, you've done something like, I want to say it's like a hundred episodes, something like that. It's at least 70. Yeah. We're at, we're at 70 to published and 81 recorded at this point. And the, <laughs> that's awesome. And since September. And the goal is to get to 100. That was the, the initial goal, like just that's 100 right. episodes. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of my favorite conversations have been with people like, you know, David Perel, who is uh, someone I, I looked up to when I was first starting the vision in. in March of 2020, people like Gary Vaynerchuk, who I've actually been following since 2009, you know, but what's really crazy is like every person's story is its own thing and its own journey and its own way to, to express who they are. And every conversation is unique from that perspective, as you can tell, it's like, you know, it's a creative act, a conversation, a Mm -hmm. podcast. And I think that people don't realize that, that it's like, this is creativity. Like we're just, if we did the same exact conversation again tomorrow, it'd be different. Mm -hmm. So that is a sign that, you know, each one is unique. Each one is pure. Each one is its own. And I just feel blessed to be able to do it. You Mm -hmm. feel the same way? Oh, absolutely. And you're right. It is, it is creativity. It's a dance. It's a dance between two people. And we've all listened to podcasts or interviews or watched YouTube videos where the host is very stiff and just has a list of like 10 questions and the person answers a question and there's no flow in the conversation. It, it almost physically hurts, you know, it's like, ow, yeah. you know? And so you get into the flow of the conversation and that's the best thing. Like I had, I've had three, four hour conversations on the podcast where it's like, you know, we're running out of gas at the end, but it's like, we've got so <laughs> much more to talk about, but that's the fun part of it, you know? And, and to get to get to share that with people, to get to share that, that mutually creative act. And that's, you know, you actually, that's a really interesting thing because this is the first time in history that long form conversations have been available to the public. Cause you used to watch mm-hmm. interviews on television and an interview is what an hour is a long interview on TV, you know, on a, a news program, but you, mm-hmm. we, in an hour and an interview is very formal and very stiff, but a conversation between two people, four hours, you can get to some amazing, amazing places. It's like music. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the the stiffness and the cringeness of watching something mm-hmm. that is is not 
not a, a real conversation. It's just a bunch of questions. It's like, I've experienced that, been on the end of, of asking those questions. And it's like, as a podcast host, that's how you improve, right? Like you, you fought, find those situations where you are uh, just like, you, you suck. Like there's no other way to put it. And so, mm-hmm. but, but that makes you better. Uh, but back to what you said about the first time the, the public can, can really have long form conversations. It's so true. I never thought about it like that. I never thought about that perspective. And that's exciting because mm-hmm. you, you're seeing the rise of podcasting. But what I think is you're going to see even more. I think it's going to, I think it's just a small piece and it's going to be huge um, and so much more uh, than it is today. And I think we're going to look back, like I said, about the internet. This is the stone ages of podcasts too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from my perspective, because so many people are going to have podcasts. So many people are going to put their voice out there and it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that there's so much to this idea of, of the conversation, of learning the art of conversation from listening to it. Because that's the thing is you can watch your TED talks about how to have a better conversation and stuff like that. But it's like, well, there's something very stiff about a 15 minute TED talk. That's telling, that's a one way guy telling you how to have a conversation <laughs> versus now you can listen to hours and hours of conversation. And if you want to learn how to actually talk with people, not talk to people, but talk with people. Now you have the opportunity to listen to people talking with each other. It's like, oh, well, that's how that works, especially for the introverts that you mentioned. Yeah. And you raised such a good point about you don't learn about how you, you can learn about how to do a push up from a Ted talk, but mm-hmm. you really only learn to have conversation from having conversations, you know? <laughs> yeah, and yes. it's the truth. It's like, it's crazy because, you know, you could think, oh, what this person does is so easy. What that person does is so easy having a conversation. Or you could look at someone have, doing push ups and be like, that looks so easy. But the truth is, like, you only get to that point if you've done it enough times. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know if you've noticed this as well. Being a guest on a show is way different than hosting a show. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, it's really crazy because you think it's just talking. It's the same thing. Um, but it, it's two different animals. Have you also found that to be the case? Oh, yeah. I was on a, I was a, the first time I was a guest on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. And we had, it was supposed to be two hours. We went for four hours. Oh, and, my God. And I was exhausted at the end. I'd never been exhausted hosting a four-hour podcast, but at the end of having to, you know, be on and express myself clearly for four hours, I was literally gassed. And then I had to host a <laughs> podcast later that day. I'm like, oh, God, how am I going to pull myself together to talk? I didn't think it was possible for me to talk myself out, but I succeeded in talking myself out. What, what compels you to have such long conversations? I think the longest one I've had is an hour 45, maybe, or two hours. But, you know, once you get past that two hour range, it's like, that's crazy. What, what compels you to keep going for that long? From the perspective of a host or the perspective of a guest or both? Both. Well, from the perspective of a host, I'm really genuinely interested in people. You know, like, like the, the part of the dance of conversation for me is, you know, I, I do my research and I find out who, who my guests are and what they're about. And I listen to them talk and I read their writings and I sort of get a sense of their perspective. And I want to, I want to know more just genuinely because I want to know more because I know that everyone, literally everyone has this rich inner world of thoughts and experiences and memories that they carry with them at all times. And they're not just, they're, they may not, even if they want to, they may not be able to just kind of let that go. Because 
you know, for, for various reasons, maybe they haven't thought about it, or maybe someone just hasn't asked like these guys that you, that you had these phone conversations with who opened up to you. It's not like they didn't have anything going on, but no one asked. So the opportunity, so I love asking and giving people the chance to share the things that they've thought about that they wouldn't otherwise get. Because I love, I love to know that stuff because I'm genuinely interested. So that's from the side of a host, what I really enjoy. I think being a good host is synonymous with being curious. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you don't have the curiosity, it, it will never work out. And I think you can gain curiosity from doing it and realizing how much richness exists in people's inner worlds, like you were saying. But I think that it is a necessity mm-hmm. to ask good questions. It's a necessity to have a good podcast. It's like, are you actually curious? Are you actually interested? Because if you're not, it, it'll shine through and it'll like people will be able to tell really quickly. Yeah. And not interested because I'm trying to get somewhere in some sense, like, you know, right. or, or because uh, I, I want to get at that information. I mean, there are things that I'll go after. Oh, very obvious. Like I'm, there's an answer that I'm looking for and let them know. And it's not because I'm trying to sell something or anything like that. It's like, no, I just, I just want to know. And we're here. And, you know, I presume that, you know, I'll ask if, do I, can I ask you a personal question? You know, if it goes in that direction, but just, it's, there's no ulterior motive to it as well, which I think people pick up on. Even in, even in individual conversations, you can feel when someone's asking you a question that has an ulterior motive to it versus just, I just want the answer, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, it's so important to just have that, like that sense of purity to it. Like, you don't, you're not gaining anything out of it. You just genuinely want to know to know. And that is a beautiful place to operate from, man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, what do you enjoy about being a podcast host? Like what, what's, what's the experience like for you? You're the first, I've spoken to a podcast host before a couple of them, but they more do podcast essays, you know, where they'll share mm-hmm. about t- subjects they're passionate about, which is another cool, totally cool thing. But I, you're the first one I've spoken to. I think who really does interviews in this way. So what's the, tell me about your experience of it. It's been so rich to be able to ask someone a question about things that they forgot about. And that is the, the greatest part for me because a lot of the times I'm talking to people who have put stuff out on the internet for a decade at least, right? Like, mm-hmm. And for me to bring up a blog post from 2013 mm-hmm. or for me to ask them about what they did in high school and them to be like, what the hell? Like, how did, where did that come from? Right. And, and that shock on their face and just the enjoyment of like letting the audience know that like, I wanted to know so badly and dig about this person's background so that you could get a a fuller experience Mm -hmm. of this person. That is such a fulfilling feeling to me because it's like, well, that would have never happened had I not, you know, taken the time to go to the seventh page of Google or to go into the 2012 tweets or whatever. So the, the experience of bringing someone's true essence or part of them that that they've forgotten about Mm -hmm. because we're constantly changing. Right. So that has been the the best part about podcasting for me is like just being able to bring out that aspect of them. You do your research. Yeah. And I didn't think that was important. I I was like, listen, like I could just have a conversation with anyone. Look, I I talk to people on the phone all the time. Mm -hmm. It went great. And, and so like, why would I need to do extra research? I already know about these people. Um, but I found that research like is is how I separate myself as a podcaster um and is how I find enjoyment. So 
Yeah, but everyone's got a different method. Everyone's got a different mm-hmm. way and style. And, and it's like, doesn't mean that that's the method that will work for everyone, like just works for me. And I only got to that place because I did the conversations, right? I failed. I had terrible conversations. I was like, what went wrong in this? I had amazing. I said, okay, what was I doing here? And you only get to that p- point of knowing after doing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that's been my experience and my enjoyment as a podcast host. Well, let's talk about this mindset around failure because it came up earlier where you can look at a mistake as failure. And a lot of people do. It's like, oh, I screwed that up. I'm never going to try again. I'm terrible. And it's, it's primarily an inner dialogue. And the reality is most people outside yourself don't care. You know, if you make a mistake, like life is surprisingly fault tolerant, you know, is, is what I usually say. We have this feeling like I screwed that up. Oh, the world's ending. It's like, no, it's we're all still here. You know, it's, it's going on inside <laughs> your own mind. But having that attitude of I made a mistake, well, I'll just get better instead of I made a mistake. Let me give up. So talk about that for you. Yeah. So it was really interesting because I had this conversation with a guy who I, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a great episode and a great podcast. And I didn't think it went well because I was acting stiff and asking questions that I just prepared instead mm-hmm. of getting lost in the conversation like you're doing. And what what happened was at the end, I was like, er, when I published the episode, I said, hey, guys, like I didn't do my best. Like I wasn't present in this conversation. My bad. Like I'll try to be better in the future. And what so many people said to me, to your point, which was just like, I didn't notice it. What are you talking about? Like, you're just in your head. Um, So it was just, that was really interesting to me. And and just in terms of failure, in terms of like missteps, I think, you know, we get so caught up in our head. We get so caught up in in thinking that the world is like a spotlight on us. But the Mm. truth is that people got their own failures failures and people got their own things to do and people are not so worried about the brief missteps you you did and if they are then they're probably trying to hide their own missteps right mm. like if you think about an internet troll or someone is like usually they've they're trying to suppress themselves because they haven't analyzed themselves and they don't want to analyze themselves <laughs> so they go outward to see who can we take down mm-hmm. so um, yeah, that, that's been kind of how I've thought about failure in general. Yeah. I, I released a podcast last week with, uh, Jack Donovan, which is something that a lot of people were looking forward to. And I was really excited about it. And when that podcast conversation happened, I thought I was totally off my game and I didn't know what was going on. I was kind of like lost in my head and fuzzy the whole first 30 minutes. And I was really tripping out about it. And then I went back and I finished the podcast and I listened to it and it's like, Wait, it was fine. I was telling my friend Tim, like, Tim, I, I don't know how that went. He's like, dude, you probably did fine. And I went back and listened to, oh yeah, no, it was, it was fine. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a degree to which we can be much harder on ourselves, you know, than, than other people will be. And there's also a degree of like, yeah, sometimes you will mess that up. But if someone's going to go hard at you about that, if you're trying your best, it's like, what does that say about that person? It doesn't say anything about you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I always feel so bad. That's my first reaction when I see people hating on other people online is like, oh man, like this person who's hating must have something wrong in their life. Like, and I, I wish nothing but good things for them to happen because, you know, something is wrong in their life for them to be going on the internet and, and talking poorly about someone else, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Do you find that you get a lot of men coming to you now that are kind of attracted to your worldview and your mindset and that are learning from you and view you as a leader? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's been one of the, you know, the most grateful parts of what I've been doing is just the messages that have come from all over the world and, and just emails and DMs and just people telling me their support and how much what I'm doing is inspiring them in whatever capacity. And it it's like nothing I've ever seen. And I am just so grateful. And it is, uh, it, it just gives me more fuel to keep going. Right. Cause like if people are looking at me and saying, okay, I can base my actions on this or use that as a guide, like the, it, it overwhelms me, man. I'm, I'm so grateful for it. What was that like when that first started happening for you? When you, you just decided to just do this thing because someone said you might be good at it and then you start getting out there and then you look back and all these guys are standing behind you following what you're doing. Like, how, how did this happen? Yeah, it, it feels incredible. Like, there's no way to put it into words. It just like, I actually, what I do is I have a bunch of my favorite messages that people have written me and I print them out and post them on my wall in my bedroom. So I look at them every night before I go to bed. Um, and, and when I wake up and it's a good way, you know, whenever you do a creative act, you're going to feel some resistance. You're going to feel like, am I good enough? Am I, you know, what am I even doing here? But those messages, whenever that voice comes in my head, make me and center me and make me realize like, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, you know, you do have a voice. You do have something that people are interested in. You're doing a good job. Keep at it. This is the proof of it. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, directing our attention to the obvious is something that we don't do enough. Hmm. Yes, it's obvious that I should continue on the podcast, but am I telling myself that every day? Well, I am if I'm reading those messages. And I think like posting on your bathroom wall, like something like, you know, an affirmation or a reminder of who you want to be directs your attention to that place. Mm-hmm. And then you can then think about that every time you take a shower. Then you could think about that every time you brush your teeth. And instead of thinking like, oh, the sky is gray today or thinking about, wow, it's so sunny out or whatever, the random things that pop into our head all the time, you're thinking about what needs to be done, how you can help yourself move forward. And I think it's it's underlooked and there's mm-hmm. a huge room for it in our world and on our walls and anywhere you look constantly can be a reminder for who you want to be or a way you want to act. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a, a journal. It's called a day one. I have it on my phone and uh, I created a wins journal. So every time I would get a win starting the Renaissance of Men brand, I would put it in the wins journal just so I could go look at it. And, like, oh. and then there's so much that started happening. It starts all spiraling on itself. Let's look back on some of these. Like I remember when that happened, that was the biggest deal. And that led to this and that led to this. And this mindset stuff is so important. It's, it's, I can't even emphasize enough to say that there's so much negativity out there in the world, obviously. And it's our responsibility as men to be able to support and sustain our own positivity from the positivity of our lives. Like we have to call, the world is not going to cultivate positive. I mean, okay, we can choose who we follow and who we listen to and curate that in that way. But in terms of managing our own inner mindset, that's our responsibility. And it's a hard, hard thing to do right now. Then you're a great example of it would be very easy to kind of fall off the path, but you set something up in your daily day-to-day life that you look at it and you say, this is why I'm doing this. And that's, that's incredibly powerful for driving your own mind. Yeah. And I think that 
you know, one of my reactions to hearing myself say that, let's, if I just said what I said, and I'm reacting as myself three years ago, I would have said, okay, what's the importance of being positive though? Like why even be positive? Like what, what benefit does that give you? And I just want to break that down real quick is like, mm-hmm. you can't get to where you want to go if you're not looking at the bright side of things. If you're not, you know, believing you have a chance to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get to that destination. If you think, okay, there's no shot that I do it, like, then you're not going to do it. Then it's not going to, you're not going to get to where you want to go. And it's a concept I got from Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron, who led the men's and women's CrossFit champions in 2016. Mm -hmm. And he talked about a lot of the different habits and mindset and routines of these CrossFit champions. And one, the one that stuck with me was really positivity and the importance of next play and understanding that, you know, what happened in the past happened in the past, but what are you going to do about it now in this moment? What's the next play of your life? And thinking that way is such a, a mindset shift from how I used to think probably three years ago. How did you used to think three years ago? I thought more, more negatively, more at the whims of an algorithm or not that I was a negative person per se, just that I was, I wasn't cultivating positivity. I wasn't cultivating a mindset that I wanted to do things. I wasn't, you know, I was just going with the crowd and, you know, I was in college. So like, you know, that, that sometimes happens when you are forced to give up part of your identity to be a part of a larger group. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's so important to make that larger group, if if you are giving up part of your identity, make that larger group something where you are all chasing a goal or chasing positivity or chasing something excellent. And I know that's what you're all about. So mm-hmm. yeah, it makes complete sense. Well, I'm smiling as you say that because I'm really blessed to know so many men that are all chasing excellence together in, in some very specific and very broad ways. And so when you say that, it's in fact i was telling some of these guys this morning like i'm incredibly spoiled to be around you know this five group of guys like i feel incredibly spoiled to be around such high level guys chasing excellence like how how did i get here so so incredibly lucky because so many men so many people don't have that but i think it's especially important for men to be around fellow men that are chasing excellence because there are there are many men many people of course now today who just aren't, who have allowed the lockdown world that we live in, unfortunately, to to turn them into the worst version or worse versions of themselves. And then meanwhile, there are men that have used this opportunity to transform into the best versions of themselves. And that's to be around men like that, to be around people like that is just, it's it's miraculous. There's no other word for it because the things that become possible in that space are, are endless. If you can really just kind of sink into it and curate your own positivity, and then you can open your eyes and look around and say, wow, look at all these incredible people doing these amazing things. Like uh, you would look at the world and say, this shouldn't be happening, but it is. So let's just enjoy it. Yeah. When you say that about being so grateful and being so shocked and amazed by like what's happening around you, it makes me think of Andy Frisella and his quote that he said uh, recently, or I read it recently, which was just like, you know you're in the right place or you know you're on the right path when you're grateful for just being you. Mm-hmm. And if you can just be grateful for being you, like then the world will open up for you. And then, you know, I've thought that at multiple points in my life in this point in time and just, you know, in the past year, just like grateful for being able to tackle what I'm about to tackle and and go after where I want to go. And 
to learn and meet people like you. Like it's, it makes you so grateful for who you are. And when you operate from that place, joy flows from you, Mm -hmm. love flows from you and love comes back and joy comes back and gratitude comes back. And it's not like you're trying to make that happen. It just is. And it just happens. And it's a powerful place to operate from. And when Andy Frisella said it, I was like, yep, that's true. I feel it. And when I heard you speak now, I, I just heard the same exact sentiment. Oh, I mean, I'm incredibly joyful to be doing to be doing what I'm doing. In fact, you asked earlier about, you know, what would motivate what would motivate me to talk for four hours on a podcast. And I, I told I gave you the answer as a host, but as a guest, I didn't know that we'd be talking for four hours. It just kind of went that way. But I was so thrilled to be talking about the things that I that I was talking about spirituality and travel and my growth as a man and transformation like all the subjects I can literally talk for hours about and did but the really cool thing about that episode is when it came out <clears throat> it came out on YouTube and I was watching it and I was I was like is this what it's like to hang out with me because <laughs> I never who watches hours of themselves on YouTube you yeah know? you know what I mean but it was the first time I'd ever seen that I'm like if that's what it's like to hang out with me, I really like that guy. So, <laughs> you know, so when you said that about Andy Frizzell, it's like, wow, I'm really, I'm really happy to be me because I haven't always been this guy. It's so like, oh, how cool is it to like watch myself? I totally agree with that guy, but wait, that guy is me. <laughs> that was its own thing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's really interesting is that now is the first time where people can watch themselves on video mm-hmm. at such an incredible rate. And that, that opportunity is available to almost everyone. And, and it's weird because, you know, it's weird to hear yourself, your voice. And it's also weird to watch yourself mm-hmm. because that is not something that we do on a day to day. It's almost like an animal looking in the mirror for the first time and realizing like, that's what I look like that, mm-hmm. but like in a, in a stronger sense and that ability for you to say, you know, I like that person. That is something that people work their whole lives to get mm-hmm. to that point. And that is such, so powerful. And some people might listen to that and think like, wow, that's egotistical. Like, you know, you like yourself, but it's, it's just the opposite. It's like, if you like yourself, if you love yourself, you can then come from that place and give that love to others. Mm-hmm. And you cannot come from that place of love if you don't look at yourself in the mirror and say, I like that person. So liking yourself, loving yourself is the most unselfish thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And if you come from that place, you can then do whatever you need to do. So. It's incredible that you've had that experience. On your podcast with Ted Dosa, you talked about how you how you started telling yourself you love yourself, what, 10 times a day or something like that. Yep. Talk about where you got that idea from and, and what it did for you and what that experience, I, you, you related beautifully, but I wanted to ask you more about it. Yeah. So I got that idea and that practice from this book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It by Kamal Ravikant, who I've actually now interviewed and posted on my podcast mm-hmm. as well. So I went from reading about this guy and reading about this guy's journey to talking to him 12 months later. It was just like an absurd concept for me (laughs) and like a moment of what the hell is going on. But he has a whole practice where, you know, one thing you do is you say, I love myself over and over. Another thing that you do is is you do a, a meditation and love yourself. Another thing is looking yourself in the mirror, in the eye and loving yourself. And it's a whole thing. Um, and I, I started doing this uh, in March, late March, and just started the practice. And then by June, my life was transformed. Like every, weird things were happening, coincidences, just like craziness. So um, it was just, it was just a, a way to 
to see the world and, and to realize like I've changed because I applied this practice and this practice gave me a roadmap of what to follow. Mm-hmm. And now other people can follow that too. And I've recommended and probably, I think I've gifted that book eight times in the wow. last year. Mm-hmm. So it really works. Um, it's an important practice and it's one, a book that I need to reread actually. Like next year, like last year started in March, let's say this year I got to reread it again. Mm-hmm. So I'm well, excited to do that. I want to kind of dig in a little bit on this. Like when you started doing this, so you hear this idea, because this is not something that I think men in particular are really good at is saying things like, I love you, or even I love myself. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of I love myself. You know, I go to the gym or I eat <laughs> clean or whatever, but to actually like look in the mirror and say, and say out loud, like, I love myself. Like what, what was that like for you when you, when you started that? Like you must've had some major resistance to doing that. Yeah. So I actually had no resistance to doing it because (laughs) I, well, because I was in a, a better situation, but I was still feeling down, feeling upset. I would call myself depressed. I was feeling depressed, right? But I wasn't in the situation that Kamal was in when he wrote the book and he Mm -hmm. transformed his life. His situation was his girlfriend broke up with him. His friend died and his business collapsed all within a week or a month. And wow. that was really eye-opening for me because if he could come out of that, then I could just do whatever he did and I should be in a better place. So there was no resistance to do the practice. So I just kind of blindly followed it. I was like, this works. Like this worked for this person. It, you know, we're both human beings. It will probably work for me, but I don't know. Let me try it out. Let me see if it works. And I just started doing it and it worked. And it's, it's incredible. It's magic. And it's like, now I have it in my head where if I fall off the practice for a couple of weeks or whatever, I just start greasing the grooves and putting, I love myself back in my head and finding different times in the day where I can make that a practice. So for me currently, it's like when I end a shower, I'll say, I love myself 10 times in my head right before bed. I'll say, I love myself 10 times. Sometimes it's like when I have my cup of coffee, I'll say I love myself before having the cup of coffee. And if you can relate the activity and to as a trigger to the the practice, I think I found that really helpful. So do you do you have other sort of habitual practices like this? Because that's the sense that I got is you're you have a system for doing a lot of things that keeps the structure and regularity in your life, which we all need. You know, there, there are no shortage of, of Twitter gurus and, you know, who say you systematize your life. Like Scott Adams is big on that. Like it's not about motivation. It's about systems. And it sounds like you have a lot of little mindset tweaks like that from just listening that you just institute in your day that seem to make a big difference. Yeah. One of them that I really love is to, you know, write out my schedule for the following day or write out tasks that I need to do for the following day, the night before. I found that really helpful to letting my subconscious solve a lot of the problems that I have and the questions on my mind. Because once you just put that on paper, then you go to sleep that night and you're like, okay, I've already solved that problem. And interestingly, are you familiar with Josh Waitzkin, the mm-hmm. the chess prodigy mm-hmm. and you know the the learner and the just absolute polymath? Something he does, I believe, is just he asks himself a question at night, like right before he goes to sleep. And then at night and then in the morning, he wakes up and like writes the answer down and he comes to solutions uh, in the night from doing nothing, from sleeping and asking that question. So it's kind of similar from that perspective of just like setting myself up for the, the next day. 
is that's a key habit and key routine that I use. So you, because I've tried to set a schedule during the day, like to say, okay, from this time, from this time, I'm doing that. But inevitably, life always throws me a curveball. Someone sends a message. You know, I'm in, I'm yeah. in some management positions. You know, like I'm I'm managing lots of the three different big projects right now. The podcast is just one of them. And so, you know, I have people who come to me with questions and things that I have to address. And it's like, well, there goes my schedule because now this kind of this very important. It's not an emergency, but this very important thing come up. And now I have to think about it for the next hour because I don't necessarily know the right answer. And so I find it very, I can find it very difficult to stick to schedules in that way, just because life can be so unpredictable. So what do you, what do you do in the face of stuff like that? Obviously it happens to you. Yeah. Well, I, first thing is I give my best, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and I, and once the thing is what happens when you give your best is like, you feel compassion for yourself when you mess up and when mm-hmm. life gets in the way and you know like okay I actually gave my best I gave my best effort this got in the way of that but that's okay because life gets in the way and so I think that that's a key part of it another part of it is like not sometimes I don't know I have, I'm playing around with this but I don't set times for things mm-hmm. and I just and I lean into doing something when it feels natural for me to do it and so kind of playing with that concept of like knowing that I have, let's say five things to do, getting them all done when I want to be doing them, that helps me to do it on my own and to like make it natural and and doesn't force me to pull teeth, but it also keeps me moving in the direction that I want to go. So that's kind of how I think about that. Do you have a, a routine when you wake up in the morning that you follow? Yeah. So I wake up now I'm on 6am wake ups and I've been waking up at 6 a.m. for like, you know, the last three weeks. And then in that three weeks, I've I've messed up a couple of times and mm-hmm. gone back to zero. I'm trying to do 30 days of 6 a.m. wake up. Um, but I wake up at 6 a.m. and immediately like chug some water. So I don't know, like a, a glass of water. Mm-hmm. And then before looking at anything and really taking an input from the world, I'll set the timer for 60 minutes and just sit for 60 minutes on on the couch you see behind me, 60 minutes um, of just sitting there, letting my thoughts go wherever they want to go. Sometimes that's nothing. Sometimes that's, you know, thinking about the problems of the day, whatever it may be. Um, and after that, I'll get my coffee. And th- that's the, the morning routine in a nutshell. So you just, you're not meditating on the couch. You're just kind of enjoying quiet time, it sounds like, or maybe you're meditating too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what exactly it's called. I call it listening to myself mm-hmm. um, because, and I think it is a form of meditation. It's not like a natural, it's not like a a meditation that, you know, Buddhists would practice mm-hmm. or like a, you know, but it, I think it's some sort of meditation. I call it listening to myself and it it's super helpful for me because it's like going to the therapist. It's like getting all the problems off your head and mm. and it allows you to go to that place of nothingness and allows you to meditate and sit there in stillness and but it also allows you to just get off your chest what you need to get off your chest and become aware of things and you know i don't i've never said this before or really expressed it but when you meditate the normal way let's say you meditate by thinking of nothingness or the breath mm-hmm. i think of it like you're smacking a fly so that whenever, you know, your thoughts go to some place that's not nothingness or the breath, 
you're like smacking that fly and like smacking yourself almost to return back to the breath. Like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. But what you're doing when I'm doing this practice of 60 minutes is like way more gentle. Mm -hmm. And like, you're, you're like supposed to think of things and you're supposed to. So it's a lot more like compassionate from the Mm -hmm. sense of, of just giving your, let yourself do whatever you want to do. Think about whatever you want to think about. And yeah, I found it really helpful. And that's kind of how I thought about the difference too, between those two practices. Do you keep a notepad, you know, to take down notes or is it just all sort of contained within your mind? Yeah. So I do have a notepad right next to it, but I rarely actually take notes. And, you know, I got this practice from Naval Ravikant Mm -hmm. and Naval, and someone asked Naval the same thing. And he said, you know, if I have a thought and I forget it, that it's not an important thought, which mm-hmm. I thought was so interesting. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't keep specific notes or anything and I don't take down notes usually, mm-hmm. but on the rare occasion I do. Oh, I'm just trying to get a picture in my mind of, you know, what it is. Like, it sounds like, cause I get up and I'll, I'll shower and uh, I keep, I keep my phone in airplane mode. Like I don't keep my phone in my bedroom. It's an airplane mode in my kitchen. I have an actual alarm clock and I'll get up and I'll sit and I'll meditate because meditation is, is something that I'm very passionate about, but I don't do Eastern style of meditation. In fact, I've actually done, done some reading that suggests that Eastern style meditation isn't good for people with Western minds. And you may think that, oh, how are Eastern minds and Western minds different? And it turns out it's possible that on some spiritual, fundamental spiritual level, they are different. And that Western minds are more uh, focused on the material world and Eastern minds are more uh, focused on the spiritual world. And those aren't, that's not negative or positive. It's just two different ways of looking at the universe and, and the Western mind potentially may need um, to practice more what's called contemplation, which is rather than trying to empty your mind, you fix your mind on a particular topic or an image or a subject or something, and you let your mind turn it over, over and over it's, and, until it comes up with an answer. And so that's sort of focused meditation rather than clear your mind, empty your mind. I don't know that that work. It doesn't work for a lot of people because like you say, it's this fly swatting, like stop thinking, stop thinking, but I'm thinking, stop thinking. And then it, you end up more <laughs> exhausted than when you started. But having your mind to be able to focus on something in your life is a very different experience. Yeah. And you, you explain that so, so beautifully. And it's really just finding what works for you, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to try out a bunch of different things. You need to try out a, def- a bunch of different podcast styles. If you want to have a successful podcast, you need to try out a bunch of different workouts and types of workouts. If you want to successfully work out forever, you need to try out a bunch of different meditation practices. And that's part of the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's exciting. And that's going back to that point about failure mm-hmm. of like, if you have a workout routine that doesn't work for you or a workout style that doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean you failed at working out. That, that was just one point on the journey, mm-hmm. right? That was just one step as long as you just fail forward and keep going and try something else because you know that meditation works. You know that it's, it's a practice that is helpful and you know increases lifespan and makes you feel better long-term. And you know all these people are saying that, right? So if you know that it's like, okay, the practice works, but this practice doesn't work for me. That's okay. Let's try another one. Let's change it up. Let's see how this, and I think it's, it's being compassionate to yourself while also trying to move forward and, and figure out what works for you. 
is where the real juice of life comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you make me think of this word perfectionism that I think there's a real tendency in some people and in myself included to want to find the exact right thing, you know, like a sniper shot for whatever it is I'm doing. Like if I just <laughs> aim hard enough and breathe right, I'll just nail the right thing from a thousand yards. It's like, well, no, more likely than not, you just got to have to try this and that doesn't work and then move forward and accept that you're not going to be perfect on any one try, but you're going to achieve something approaching perfection over time. And that to me is way more exciting than how I used to live, which is like, I have to get it right on the first try. That was such a giant pain in the ass to live that way. <laughs> so my friend, nice. my friend, Mike Vacanti, uh, who's Gary Vaynerchuk's personal trainer, likes to say consistency over perfection. And it is such a, a slogan that sticks with me to this day, because just being consistent with something is is way more powerful than the perfect routine or the perfect whatever it is consistency over perfection and it's so simple it's so such a it's only three words but it, it really is powerful for me mm -hmm. from from that perspective well and perfection's kind of boring so you do the thing perfect on the first try congratulations what have you <laughs> learned it's like well nothing versus like i tried a bunch of different stuff and now i can speak intelligently about all of it and i've learned not only about all these different things but I've learned about myself in the process. And that's, that's the, you've learned. That's the best feeling. Don't we all love that feeling? That's life. Life is learning and life is, is the process and enjoyment of that process. And it's so easy to get lost in that because, you know, you see people who have it all figured out. You see people do the thing that you want to do. And you're like, well, I want to be there. But do you really want to be there? Like, you want to be climbing that mountain that mm -hmm. you, you don't really want to be there because when you're there, you're going to say to yourself, okay, this is great, but like I want a new mountain to climb now. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a never ending journey of yourself um, and enjoying yourself in this moment, enjoying where you're at because this moment is providing so much goodness, so much joy, so much love, and you can expand and climb whatever mountain you want to climb. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think even the people that you would think have it all figured out would tell you oh, i've got the i haven't got it figured out at all like if you even talk to like joe rogan you know the most popular media property in human history just <laughs> billions of people right listening to this guy which is incredible and i'm sure if you were to ask him i know it's incomprehensible right if you were to ask him do you have it all figured out he'd be like no i don't i don't know what day I, I got no idea what i'm doing he's like what do you mean you're joe rogan it's like no you like you're always learning you're always perfecting you know the more that you know the more that you realize that there is to know. And that's that's the paradox of life, right? To, to recognize as good as you get at something, you never actually master it in a way. You just, you get more interesting problems. Yeah, it reminds me of surfing. And I've, I've never surfed, even though I lived in San Diego, but it's like, you're never going to be perfect at surfing. You're just going to have to ride that wave as best you can. And in some points in life, you may figure out, you may think like, oh, I know how to surf. But like then a bigger wave comes and, you know, you don't know how to surf. So I don't know if there's an analogy there, if you know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. but that, that's kind of where my mind went initially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, or it's like painting, you know, or sculpture or any art form. It's like, or more sport or a basketball. You can be, you can be amazing at it and recognize, oh, I still need to improve here. Or the, and there's yeah. still the process of doing it. Like having a conversation, like, you know, we're two guys that are good at having a conversation, which I think is really cool, but I'll never feel like I have mastered the art of having a conversation. <laughs> Watch. <you know? laughs> there's still the act of doing it, which is the cool part. You still get to enjoy the doing of it without any egotistical notion of having mastered anything. It's just the joy of doing it, which is the best part. 
Were you always like this? Or what was, what was the shift that happened in your life when you made this realization? About enjoying conversation? About enjoying the process versus just getting lost at the top or looking at the top of the mountain and wishing you were there. I think a lot of it actually happened over the past few years, but especially after finishing 75 hard and going through that Mm -hmm. process of recognizing that, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do my second workout and go for a walk, which is what I would, it was usually my second workout was going for a walk, which it counts. I'm walking around outside. I'm not walking in a circle in my apartment. And it was like, it doesn't have to be perfect today. You just do the thing. You just do the thing. And in giving myself the permission for it not to be perfect, but to be done, it's like, oh, okay. And then the next day it was perfect. Or working out is a great example. Like not every day you're going to hit personal records, but some, you know, some days you're just going to be like, God, I got to dial everything back, you know, drop my weights five or 10%, but I'm in the gym, but I'm here. And then the next day I'll turn it up a little bit. And it's like, oh, wow, that was actually way more fun than an every day. I got to, you know, beat my chest and listen to the heavy metal and go in and crush it. It's like, no, you can allow yourself to flow in and out of a, a state where you're really connected to something rather than expecting you have to crush it every time, which was a very painful state to be in. I didn't realize how much pain I was causing myself. Yeah, I, it's crazy how 75 hard also pre- presented the same lesson and instilled it in me. Whereas like, Another thing about 75 hard was like before I thought, you know, short term in the sense of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make X amount of money this week, this month, this year, short term, short term, short term. But then like after it, I was like, after doing the program, I realized how long it actually took. First of all, the program, two and a half months is, you know, a long time to be doing the same thing over and over. And to realize at a certain point, I realized that I wasn't going to be where I wanted to be at the end of two and a half months. And that was okay. And, you know, it would take a consistent effort of doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And that just switched from short-term thinking to long-term thinking. I mean, it's why the initial goal for the podcast was a hundred episodes. It's why I put out three a week. It's like, I wouldn't have been able to do that and commit to that if I didn't first do 75 hard and instill those lessons in myself. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, short term has gone out the toilet and now long term is all I think about. Well, so you're going to be doing more than 100 episodes, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I want I just have such a big vision for the project, my man, you know, mm-hmm. like a big vision for where I see it, where I want to take it, who I want to talk to. And, you know, it does, you're not going to get there in 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to get there in, in 300 episodes. It's going to take years of work. And Thank God it takes years because you get to enjoy the journey along the way, mm-hmm. along those years. So now, why did, you, why did you set a hundred episodes? You said, I'll, I'll do a hundred and see if I like it. And then we'll, we'll re-up after that. Yeah, that's exactly why I, I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to like it. I didn't know if other people were going to enjoy it. I didn't know anything, but I knew I had to give myself a fair shot at enjoying it. And that was doing it a hundred times. And that was putting in the work and seeing if I was better, seeing if people enjoyed it then, seeing if. I enjoyed it then. Like it was a lot of factors needed to play out. I mean, you don't go to the gym once and then say, okay, I don't enjoy working out. You go to the gym a hundred times and then you say, okay, I don't enjoy this type of workout or I don't enjoy the way I'm working out. Like mm-hmm. you got to give yourself a fair shot and doing it a hundred times was my way of giving myself a fair shot. That's incredibly courageous because I think a lot of people would say they're going to start a new project 
and uh, let's just say podcasting or some sort of project where it's like you have to produce something on a repeating basis. Like if you're going to like you're going to paint 100 paintings or you're going to you know do 100 drawings or something and they would they would try it the first time and it wouldn't go well or even like the sixth or seventh time and it wouldn't go well. And then the mountain would look really tall, you know, exactly. suddenly. And, and but you just decided again, being decisive, like, no, I'm, I'm going to do 100 episodes no matter what. Yeah, that was 75 hard talking and and executing. Mm-hmm. It really was. Like that's just the truth of it. Like I just never would have got to that point of understanding that you just got to put your head down. You have to do the work and if it sucks the sixth time, like good. Like that's an amazing thing because the 16th time won't suck as much. And before doing 75 hard, I would have done the same thing, set the goal of 100 episodes, done the 6 one, the 6 one would have sucked. I was like this isn't for me. Like I'm never going to get to where I want to go. Mm. And so it, it's really, it's really an important mindset shift and you need to experience it yourself. I could tell you the person listening, whoever's listening to this, like I could tell you, you know, this is how my life changed because of this program, but it's different when you experience it. It's different when you are yeah. the one in those sneakers and you, you understand and come to those realizations on your own. So that's why I tell people, you know, do step into the arena mm-hmm. and, and actually, actually do because life, life is different when you see it versus hear someone talk about it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying my podcast with Danny Miranda. I'm very excited to share with you some big news. The Renaissance of Men podcast now has an official sponsor, Volition Training. Volition was founded by Derek Arlano, who was on my podcast in an episode called Fitness and Your Higher Self. To this day, it's still in my top five episodes. Since then, I've trained with him many times. He's a monster. So together, we've assembled a special program called the Volition Renaissance, targeted specifically for Renaissance of Men listeners. It's a 12-week, all-encompassing online program developed by Derek for your personal needs. It involves a training and nutrition plan tailored for your goals whether they be weight loss, mass gain, sports performance, or rehabilitation. But Derek also goes beyond that, as he does, helping you establish and track habits that contribute to your fitness, like getting regular sleep, reducing screen time, or drinking water, all of which reduce the tendency to fall back on excuses. The program also includes three PDFs written by Derek about his training philosophy and the whys behind what he recommends, so you're not just flying blind. Plus, his training program integrates with MyFitnessPal so we can supervise your eating and make adjustments whether you eat too much or too little like me. But most importantly, you get Derek's personal time and attention. No matter where you are in the world, you can learn from his wisdom and expertise gained from being a top 10 US bodybuilder. The dude was enviously jacked. The purpose behind this offering isn't just to get you in shape, but to create your physical renaissance. Because as I've personally discovered, True fitness goes much deeper than lifting heavy things and eating better food. It requires a total shift in mindset, and I know Derek can get you there. This program is for people who are motivated, ready to make a change, and join the renaissance of men. So to sign up for Volition Renaissance, head over to Derek's Instagram account at TrainVolition, that's V-O-L-I-T-I-O-N, TrainVolition, to learn more about him and his bodybuilding story, or visit his website at volitiontraining.com or check out my podcast episode with him. Then send Derek a message and mention Ren of Men this week for a 10% discount as we launch this exciting program. Once again, that's at Train Volition 
or volitiontraining.com and mention Ren of Men for 10% off. Thanks so much, and let's get back to the podcast with Danny Miranda. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier this uh, this phrase, you know, your voice, that everyone has a voice. And that's how a voice is developed, is by doing it, is by making mistakes, and is by you hit that sixth or seventh episode and things just go really wrong by your own by your own judgment. Obviously, you have an end of the world, but you're like, oh, wow, that did not go well at all. Like, I'll give you an example. My second podcast episode was with uh, this guy, Zach Small, one of the big leaders in this communities of men. He hosts the, the 21 Convention Patriarchs event. He's the chief patriarch, has this amazing community called the Fraternity of Excellence. He's got his own podcast and his, and his Instagram account. And he's active on a blog and Twitter. And he's, he's a, a big dude in the space. And he was really, uh, he came on, he came on the podcast really awesome to get him for my second guest. We recorded a conversation. Our first conversation, we talked for like three hours and it was amazing, but I fucked up and then we you didn't press get, record. No, I pressed record, but we only got one half of the conversation, his half oh. of the conversation. So I'm really oh. quiet, like, like, and not fixable either. Like I have a pro audio background and it's like, there's some things I can fix this. I can't fix. There's just no data. So, and he was super stoked on the conversation when it was over. He was one of those super fired up. And, you know, to, if we put it out like, yes. And then I went and I listened to it like, oh, shit. And so it's unusable. And so it's like, whoa, I got to go back to him and say like, you know, can we, can we try that again? He's a busy guy. You know, he's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on. Like, you know, and it's an honest mistake on my part starting out. But it's like, that was really bad. It's like, because we had caught lightning in a bottle, you know, in a way. And so I had to, I had to ask again, do you mind re-recording the podcast and we'll try it again and cross my fingers for a weekend while I thought about it, you know, and that's, but I would, I was like, I'm going to keep going, but it was still this like, oh, I really screwed that up, but I wasn't going to quit as a result of it. I was, I was scared that something bad would happen. You know what I mean? Like, or maybe he'd come back and say no, and that would be a blow to my ego. But, you know, he was really gracious and rolled with me on it and we got another good conversation. But that's the sort of thing that would, you know, create cause a lot. Of, and no one knows. I haven't told anyone that story. So that would cause a lot of guys to stop, a lot of anyone to stop. And, you know, maybe almost for good reason, you know, in your second one to, to kind of blow it in this technical way. But he was really forgiving, probably because he's probably made his own technical mistakes. And so that's to be remembered as well, that none of us start out perfect and we all hit hurdles and, you know, we pass. And so, you know, maybe maybe that'll happen to me at some point where I get to be like, yes, okay, I'll. I'll, I'll go on your podcast again because someone was generous to me and, 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 you know, accepted me when I made a mistake, but that's the sort of thing, like you're going to encounter that. And if I had defeated myself, man, that would have sucked if I said, no, okay, I shouldn't do this before I even got to number three. The more I put out content online, <clears throat> the more I realize that content creation is just a game of not beating yourself. Mm. And it's true with working out. It's true with meditating. It's true with all these things. It's all the same game that you're playing. Um, it's like, if you, you're going to find reasons to quit and you can find reasons to quit anytime mm -hmm. you want. But you know, it, it's the, it's just like, can you convince yourself in your head that that's okay? That was a mistake. And can I move forward? And really interesting on that point is like my, I was talking about starting the podcast in August and, you know, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was talking to the kid next door, great kid. Um, it's like 15 years old. And he was asking me like, you know, what would you do if you had someone like Joe Rogan or Gary Vaynerchuk on your podcast, you know, like someone huge. And I told him, 
I wouldn't want to have that person on the podcast yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't put it in the reps. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten good at the craft. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried to improve yet. I haven't improved as a podcaster and as a host. I don't, there's no way I could host that type of person. Um, and so it's really interesting, like how it plays out. Cause like after putting in three months of reps and way too soon, like still soon in the grand scheme of things, but three months after I started, I, I get Gary Vaynerchuk on the podcast and he comes on and it's like that. I'm so happy for those three months. Mm-hmm. If it was the first episode or the fifth episode, I might have screwed it up. I definitely would have screwed up. I wouldn't have been as good. And if I record an interview with him tomorrow, I'll be better than I was when I did it three three months ago. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like understanding that there are levels to the game, and the more you get better, and the more that you put in the reps, and the more you continue at anything, like the more likely you are to perform well in a high impact situation, in a high mm-hmm. high leverage situation. So mm-hmm. just an interesting it. story that's come up. Oh, I love that. I love that high leverage situation because that's a great way of putting it. It's a great way of thinking about it. And it, I agree with you totally. There are people who are like, oh, well, you should talk to Zuby on your podcast. You should talk to Ed Lattimore. I know that both of those guys are really generous with their time and will go on people's podcasts and stuff like that. It's like, no, I want to be ready to talk to them. You know, not that I don't, not that I'm not ready now. Like, obviously it would be fine, but there's something in me that says, I'm going to keep putting in reps because there's, there's, there's some place that I want to be at for me. And I know that I'll be there when I get there, you know, and, and that, and that's just my own estimation. So I know what you mean. Like, I wouldn't want to talk to these guys right now. I want to, I want to show up when I can freaking nail it and not before. And not everyone thinks that way. Yeah. And that's the type of thinking that leads you to long-term process and leads Mm -hmm. you to to just put in the reps and lead you to have a long-term vision of like, okay, I know I'm still going to be in the game a year from now. So there's no rush to just go, go, go and get as many high profile people or whatever it is. Like I, I want to be ready when I'm there and I want to build myself up and I'm playing this for the long term, not just playing for this tomorrow or the next week, which is a way different way of thinking about it than I have before. And it makes a big difference and allows you to just grow with the project it allows you to expand so that's awesome man and it's sometimes not even the biggest names that are the best conversation you know i i talked talk to this guy that the howling void who's an anonymous instagrammer who writes some really cool stuff and uh it was his first podcast ever he'd never he never even been invited before which i found surprising but you know that's been by far my most popular episode and wow. if I had just focused on the the no the big known names, you know, it's like okay, well, I've got this this guy, and it's like, well, maybe that conversation doesn't go as well as the one with the unknown guy. So it's like it's mm-hmm. you know, there's the process of of not getting so fixated on the names and just going Definitely. through the, going through the process. It's like, oh wow, that was incredible. Like there have been times where I've put down the headphones and been like, yes, <laughs> you know, because you can feel <laughs> it, and it may not be a a huge name, but it's like that was an amazing conversation that I think people are going to enjoy. And treating each moment like it's the Super Bowl, right? And, yeah. tr- and bringing your all, bring everything within you to that moment is everything because you don't know what moment is the most important in life, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you send out a tweet, you send out this, and that turns out to be the most important. You step a certain way and that, but it's like, if you can bring your all to every moment and give your fullest effort, then, you know, any moment can be high leverage in truth. and. It's it's an exciting place to operate from. Yeah, the spark of connection can happen with any conversation, you know. And we've all had girlfriends or boyfriends where it's like you just ca- start casually talking to someone at a party, 
you know, and you, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go meet that girl over there. But you just start talking to the person, you're, you're talking to a guy or who becomes your friend. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't even think anything of it. And then bam, life is like the life is on. And it's always, it's always there waiting for you. And it's not always where you have your sights set on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't help but think of this podcast I I'm recorded recently, which was just like a crazy story of how he met his girlfriend. And this guy's named Blog of Jake. He's an anonymous blogger and podcaster. And it was like his friends, he was went to dinner and then he went to a bar and then he wasn't going to go to a bar. He wasn't going to go to the next bar. And then, you know, his friend convinced him or he convinced his friend like, no, we have to like, this is, let's go to the next bar. And he meets his girlfriend for two. He's been with his girlfriend for two years. And it's just like, you don't know, like life, mm-hmm. you don't know what life has in store for you. And that is so beautiful. And when we don't know, it's like, that's where the excitement comes from. That's where the joy comes from. Like the surprise of everything. So yeah, I, I can't stop thinking about that, that story. And this is where presence come from. Like if you meditate, if you spend time with yourself to really be comfortable in your own skin and you're engaging in the process and you're getting the things done during the day so that your mind isn't preoccupied with, with everything you got to do, you can be really present in your life and allow magic. And then if you tell yourself you love yourself every day, you know, and all these things fit together to create a, a valuable and meaningful life, but a valuable and meaningful experience of life. Like I am open and available for magic to happen in my life at any time. And it does. Yeah. What's been some magic that's happened in your life? Uh, this podcast is a great example. This is a great example. <laughs> and and I, I, I hate to keep coming back to it, but it, this is really cool. So I was, a, I was a, a, a DJ for a number of years when I lived in San Francisco. And so I worked at a music studio and I produced music and everything, but I was never any, any really, I never really was any good at producing music. Um, I wasn't something I was interested in. I'm a very social person and the idea of sitting in front of a computer and, you know, tweaking knobs and stuff all day in, in, in a dark studio. Some people are great at it, but I need connection. But I spent years doing this and then I moved on in my life and I thought that I was just going to have to write off that time altogether. Like, okay, well, I guess that nothing came of that. So maybe, okay, hopefully that wasn't a mistake. And so I went on with my life and, and, you know, years later, you know, I, I decide here I am, I decide I'm going to start a podcast. Okay, cool. I don't know anything about podcasting, but I get all the gear. I start ordering the gear and it's like, oh, wait a minute. I know how to evaluate different qualities of gear. I know how to work a microphone. I know how to work a digital audio workstation, a DAW. And I start recording the podcast and it's like, wait a minute, I know how to use plugins to make the audio sound really good. I know how to listen wow. to sound and hear the problems. And so suddenly, you know, and I know how to find, I know how to find pro, pro audio people to, to do an intro and all that stuff. So suddenly all this knowledge that I thought that I would just have to completely write off this whole era of my life that I thought, you know, was completely irrelevant came flooding back in this new way that I'm now inspired to use. And then when I realized that, like, that was mind blowing. It's like that Steve Jobs thing. Like you can't put the pieces together of your life looking forward. You can only put them together looking back. And the number of lessons that I have taken out of that time of my life that continue to be relevant every single day doing the Renaissance of Men absolutely blows my mind. To see the way that I was going about my life in the DJ world, the same way I'm going about this, but I wasn't having any success because I was trying to be a, a high integrity man seeking other high integrity men in the music industry. And that is the exact wrong place to go looking for high integrity people. 
<laughs> you can find very, very talented people, but the art, you know, the music industry is not renowned for having high integrity people in it. Let's put it that way. And that's not to say that anyone's bad people or anything like that. It's just, it's the music industry. It's can be very cutthroat. It's, you know, it's everyone's trying to get up one up on each other. And that's just kind of how it is versus in this, in this realm of the Renaissance of men, what I often say, and I really believe it and it's true. We all go up together. We're all trying to help each other. There are 3 billion men or so around the world. There's more than enough to go around. There's no, there's no scarcity of stages to play on or, or money to earn. There's plenty of men to inspire and to uplift. And so now I'm able to take all those skills, the pro audio skills, the networking skills, this way of understanding the field and put that into service for something that's having just massive fruits. And so that's pure magic for me. That is absolute pure magic to me to see the way that I was living in a particular way that wasn't right, but that was being prepared for something that was coming later. And that's just utter magic to me, big magic. It's really interesting, right? Because I brought up this concept with Kamal Ravikant mm -hmm. and it it kind of threw him for a loop and he was like, wow, I never really thought about it like that. And that's like, is a prior version of ourselves doing things in service of a current version or is our current version doing things in service of, of a future? And it's like, I don't know. I don't, I haven't dived really deep into the thought of like, everything's happening at once. Like some people say, the, the past isn't happening and the future isn't happening. It's all happening at the same time. It's all happening mm. in the eternal now. And I don't really understand that. I haven't really like wrapped my head around it, but I've heard it enough times by smart people for me to think, okay, that's interesting. So if that's true, it's like, did the earlier version of yourself do things for a version now? And I, it's like, that happens to me in my life too, where, you know, things that shouldn't make any sense suddenly connect pieces that I could never have predicted. And it's like, it's really interesting when life starts flowing that way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Tej talks about this, doesn't he? I think he does. Yeah, And the definitely. way, as you're describing it, because I, I think there's a, a yes and no. If you live, if you live with intention and you live with focus, as we're talking about, if you're truly present and you're clear and you love yourself and, and you're forward, you're pursuing a mission with intention, with the best possible intention in your heart. I think maybe the way it works is it's like a magnet. It's like a magnet. It creates this magnetic attraction that aligns the past and the present with the future. And if you walk that path, then you see it. But if you just wander through life, maybe the magnet of your average consciousness will pick up some of that. But if you truly align yourself, then you, then you gravitationally attract past, present, and future into the now. It's a beautiful, beautiful way to put it. I'm going to sit with that for a while. <laughs> Well, this is Exciting. how important it is to be a man on, on a mission, right? Because this creates the fulfilling experience of living. Mission is everything, man. Mm -hmm. Mission is everything. What's your mission? Uh, the mission that I'm working on right now is not, is not something that I can talk about, but uh, I can. Fair enough. I, Fair I enough. Can, uh, you'll, you'll hear about it though. But the, I would say my mission, in, my mission in general is to lift up and light up and unify men around the world to become the best versions of themselves. That's my mission. It's beautiful. What's yours? My mission, I just wrote it on my website, which is to pursue the highest version of myself and inspire others to do the same. So very similar. You know? And here we are. <laughs> yeah. Make the world happier, healthier, and wiser. And just like the, those two, man, like when that came to me to make the world happier, healthier, and wiser, right? I'm sitting down outside in the sun last May, I'm sitting there and 
like meditating almost because I'm not thinking of anything, but you know, it's like just sitting out in the sun on a chair. And all of a sudden I get like this, this flash of like what I want on my gravestone. Mm -hmm. And it's just to make the world happier, healthier, and wiser. And I ran inside, I wrote it down and I was like, yep, that's it. Like Daniel Miranda, 1995 to whatever it is, like to make, made the world happier, healthier, and wiser. It was just like, damn, like if I orient all my actions around that, like I'll live a pretty good life. Like my life will be as fruitful as it possibly can be. So I think, and that only came that download after taking action for three, four or five months. And all of a sudden the universe rewards you with something like that. It doesn't happen before it happens after you've already begun and you're on that process. And then you're like, okay, how can I serve others? Or, you know, you just have a moment of stillness, but it was like the action first. And then that came as like a, a thank you from the universe or from God or whatever it is. Like, like you're doing good work here is more to help you do more good work. Right. This was on your, on your tech detox weekend, right? When you, it was, as I recall hearing on your podcast with Tej. Yeah. What this was, um, probably, uh, two or three months before that. Okay. But yeah, the tech detox did some, some crazy things to me mentally in terms of just like creating the podcast and starting it, but, and, and help me understand how I was going to use that mission to, oh, to put myself out there with the podcast, right? Like the tech detox happened. I then started the podcast shortly thereafter, started recording and realized like I was going to use that mission with the podcast and mm-hmm. pursue that mission with a podcast. So yeah, oh, it's all related. Oh, wow. So it's, it's like all the, it's like all the pieces came together. It's like you had this mission that came to you one day that you wrote down and then you go on the tech detox weekend, which I'd like you to talk about. And then someone said, oh, you should do a podcast and you put the three together. It's like, oh, wow, it works. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that removing all the inputs in the tech detox was how I was able to just come to the realization that that was the path for me. I removed all the inputs, no time, no technology, no nothing. And I just sat there, sat there with like my thoughts and books and journals. And when you come to that place of no inputs, it's really weird. You know, it's really weird not to have anything. No one's reminding you of anything that you are anything. No one's, no one's calling you will, no one's saying, you know, you have to do this or that. Mm. And from that place, you can then create anything. And I decided I was going to create a podcast and I decided these are the people I'm going to reach out to for the podcast. And this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to approach it. And and so weird, like to see how all that has come to fruition over the past six months and how it's just begun, Mm -hmm. you know, as a project. We'll talk about the tech detox itself. Like, how did you have the idea to do this? How did you get ready for it? You know, to explain the weekend or the the extended weekend, I guess. Yeah. Um, I got the idea from Tej. Tej, uh, in one of his letters, Tej Dosa letter, which everyone should check out. Mm-hmm. It's uh, an incredible resource. It's like $7 a month and just all of Tej's thoughts for like 20 pages worth. Really good stuff. Anyway, I got the idea from one of those. And what I did was I said I was going to not have any technology. So no laptop, no phone, 
Um, I was going to bring books and no time. So when I got there, turned off all the time. So my body could just operate on a regular schedule, however it wanted to operate. And the first two days were really hard, man. Like it was difficult because like I say, no one was reminding me of who I was. I, I, my body and mind was expecting messages to come in. And I actually felt myself compelled to check some messages, but time moved very slowly. Like you don't realize how long a day is Mm -hmm. if you, you haven't sat there. And it's really interesting because this is what our ancestors were doing all the time. Like, you know, no technology, no thing to keep us moving, keep us, our mind active. So it returned me to a present state. And from that state, days three, four, and five were magical. Like days three and four, I felt more energized and optimistic because I had had a direction and had a a purpose and mission. And now I could use that mission to fulfill it. And like, actually there were things that I needed to do now that I knew I was capable of doing. It was transformative. And then the feeling of optimism that comes going back into the world and realizing that you are capable of designing the life of your dreams and like understanding exactly how you're going to approach certain things and how, what you're going to change. I wish that feeling for everyone. It's an incredible feeling of like, wow, I'm about to transform. I'm about to do this. I'm about to change. And the world is about to see it. And that's what you see today. So you were following Tej's material and he suggested that you do this exercise. Where, where were you? So Tej didn't suggest I did it, but okay. I, yeah, I just did it because I, so he read, I read that he, he did it and I was like, that would seem pretty cool. Oh, okay. And, and so I'm in Long Island currently and I went to the border of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And I only mentioned that because while there I read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin and he's talking about how he sailed up the Delaware river, you know, and, and it's crazy because I'm reading it literally on the Delaware river where what he's talking about is like him swimming in that ocean, him playing around and him traveling to get to New York or to get to Pennsylvania. And I'm just sitting there like, what the hell is my life? Mm -hmm. Like I'm reading this book and 300 years later, like 300 years before Benjamin Franklin was actually doing these things there. It was the weirdest moment for me. Um, And that's where I ended up like getting a little Airbnb and, and just figuring myself out. That's awesome. So you, so in the course of that five days, I mean, I get that, like to listen to yourself, to switch off the inputs, to switch off the, the artificial light and just kind of let, let your body settle and let it speak, let your body and your mind and your heart speak to you without the constant streaming of the feeds and the, and then music and the noise and the sounds like, well, what do I actually have to say to me? What do I think? And not, not, yeah. not enough people beyond meditation, beyond like a two hour. I mean, I would imagine that the, your one hour morning practice now of sitting on the couch kind of, kind of came from that of having the ability to sit and listen to yourself now because you gave yourself, it sounds like five days, something like that to really do that. What a gift. Yeah. So in the morning, I would do one hour meditation. In the evening, I would do one hour meditation. In the middle, I would do yoga and running and walking, long walks and reading and journaling. It's just like a beautiful way to operate. And I'm just so grateful for that opportunity. And I'm thinking about how I'm going to 
recreate that in, you know, in August or sometime in the future, because it's just such a helpful way for me to step back from life and just watch myself. Well, you have to, you have, I mean, we spend so much time watching other people in various ways, you know, not at the window or whatever, but like on TV or on, on YouTube or whatever, but to actually like, well, you described this in your podcast. You talked about, uh, seeing yourself in the third person, seeing your, sure. your story. Tell me more about that. Cause I wanted to ask you about that when I heard that. What an interesting way of describing it. Yeah. It's like, like you said, we do all these things on a daily basis, but we don't stop and we don't think to ourselves, you know, like what am I doing and why am I doing it this way? And what else should I be doing? Or should, what should I be changing? And so when you see yourself in third person, it's almost like you're holding a mirror up to your actions and you can only do that from a place of little or no ego, right? Of like, and the, you get to that place or how I got to that place was by just no one reminding me who I was. Mm-hmm. And so when no one is reminding you of who you are, you can then step back and say, okay, I am this person. I am this is the things that I've been doing. And so it's just a, a transformative way to think. And I haven't had that intense of a viewing of myself in third person since doing that. I get it briefly when I sit down to meditate on that couch, but I don't get it as intensely as I did when I spent five days in solitude. That was kind of a, a, a- a sudden experience that kind of came on, like suddenly, like you just got it. Like, Oh wow. Like I'm my own independent being. Like you can see yourself from the outside and see the story of your life and sort of recognize that you're, you're a thing. It's, I don't know how to quite the language around it. Like I exist, which is the craziest (laughs) thing, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And so that was what led you to shift the direction and and begin doing the, the podcast in a way. That's where the idea came from. Exactly. And I, I, I put out so many guests, like I, my notebook is filled with all these guests of people that I was going to reach out to and that people I would love to have on the podcast and people whose work has influenced me. And then to like, look back at that six months later and to be like, wow, I interviewed so many of these people and this was just a thought in my head and this is a reality and this turned into a reality. It's like, it's incredible. It's like, it's, I can't can't put the words to express like how crazy it is when we create something just like in a place of nothingness and create something that changes our life forever. And like, it is, it's magical. Like going back to that word of magic. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a snowball effect. You know, when you put your, your heart and your energy and your intention in anything, it may not be anything to start, but it suddenly begins accumulating. Like I've been uh, uh, learning to box, learning boxing for the past several months. And I remember, I think back to when I started with my trainer and, you know, it was just excruciating. It was pushing me hard and I was getting gassed out and didn't have proper form and, every, and anything. And now it's been, what, three, four, five months, something like that. It's like, now I'm starting to feel comfortable and guys are coming up to me in the gym and be like, hey, Will, you're looking really good and all that. It's like, <laughs> you know, I can't tell you. It wasn't like a, a switch that was flipped. It was like, it was slow little bits of accumulation, not even consciously. It's not like I came home and was taking notes about my performance or anything like that. But the the knowledge gets built into the body 
And then I become a more capable fighter. And it's like that for anything, painter, writer, podcaster, dancer, singer, like it's these little tiny psychological subconscious changes that accumulate. And then suddenly you're good at something. It's not suddenly, obviously, but. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's just how life works. That's how 75 hard teaches you to operate. That's how, you know, and and it's just the little moments day after day. It reminds me of, I've never done jujitsu, but that's, that's what people say with jujitsu. It's like all of a sudden, like you've done it for a year, like things click in a way that you never could have predicted before. So yeah, it's, it's a good framework for living. People say the same thing about, I've never surfed, but people say the same thing about surfing. You just do it for long enough and then suddenly you know how to do it, you know? Yeah. So what's the, what's the future of the Danny Miranda podcast and your website? Like where, where is all this going to the extent that you can talk about it? I want to sell out Madison Square Garden for a live podcast. That's awesome. (laughs) That's what the vision that I see. Um, I want it to be the number one podcast in the world. Um, But overall, I just want to, just want to enjoy the process of doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, if I can enjoy the process of doing it, I know that it's going to get to a place I can never predict that is so beyond my scope. It already happened. Like, it's already that level where can't predict anything, mm-hmm. can't predict what's going on. And yeah, I just want to continue to push the limit on my God-given abilities and practice like, you know, this is my first day, like over and over. Mm-hmm. So just combining that um, and, and we'll see where it, it takes me. I'm excited though. One thing that rarely comes up is, and that sounds like an incredible vision, like I, like the idea of being able to sit down a whole crowd of people. I can imagine the microphones and the chairs and everything. And what an incredible idea, Matt, you know, tens of thousands of people listening to a couple people have a conversation like where you yeah. normally watch athletes and stuff. You're, you're actually hearing people like just talk. Well, how amazing is that? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't know where that came from, but I just know that the energy that I feel in these conversations and just imagining 20,000 people also bring that same energy to that arena or to a stadium, like it would create such a magical moment. And I think that that would be such an amazing way to like give, I think it's a gift like that I can receive and that I can also give if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to make that a reality. And the thing is, that seems like a high mountain, but it's just about putting in the work, right? Like mm-hmm. if I do this for 10 years, if, if I continue to give my best effort for 10 years straight, like I don't know how there's any other outcome, honestly. Like mm-hmm. I just believe that with every fiber of my being. So maybe I'm crazy, but uh, time will tell. No, I don't think you're crazy at all, but maybe you are. <laughs> I mean, well, this is the magnet that's aligning the past, present, and future. And I'm sure that along along the road to getting there, you'll see so many things in the past, you know, and, and things that are yet to come that connect with the past. It's like, oh my gosh, it, but it was only your intention that aligned you along that axis, right? Yeah, that you said it perfectly. Well, do you know, uh, obviously, you know, Jordan Peterson, probably. Yeah. So he, if you watch his, uh, you're talking about, the notion of, of, of listening to people talk. I don't know if you've watched his Bible series. Are you familiar? He did a whole series on the Bible. It's on YouTube. I haven't seen it, no. But I'm, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't seen it. So I watched the first one. And the first one, it's like three hours long. And it's literally this guy 
walking around a stage, essentially talking to himself, going on all these different discursive kind of rambles and all these things. And only in the literally the last like 20 minutes does he even touch on the first sentence of the Bible at the end of his talk. <laughs> and he's so he's so like almost ashamed, like I know you came here for a Bible talk and I'm just now getting to the Bible. And the whole audience just applauds, erupts in applause because listening to this guy talk to himself for three hours is so entertaining in this incredible way and you would never think that you think like a rock star on stage or something like that, or an athlete but watching this man think out loud was just the most enjoyable thing and i, I think that's so cool that we live in an era where people are kind of thinking that way now and they can on a large scale yeah i i didn't know that and that is inspiration for for me you know like not that i have that intention to do it as Jordan Peterson did it just talking, but it's really cool to hear. And, you know, that moment only comes out because one is willing to put out their absurd vision into the world, mm -hmm. right? Like I only knew that because instead of keeping that to myself in my dome of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, do this one day, I instead said it, which opens you up for criticism and opens you up the potential to get laughed at. But at the other time, it also opens up the potential for connect, connections or connectors. And that's what you provided with that example. So thank you very much. I'm going to read that or listen to it. And I'm excited, man. I'm excited to check it out because that is 100% up my alley and aligns with where I want my world to go. Well, you're a very expressive, you know, super positive guy. That was the thing that was, as I was listening to your podcast, like, wow, this guy's super positive, really high energy. Like it's just part of you, you know, and that's the, that's the best thing. That's the best thing is to meet people that are super positive like that, because a lot of people are positive, but they don't radiate that positivity. And that's a character. That's like, that's a quality that some people have. Like some people are tall and some people are, some people are, you know, really good at math. It's like a different, all these different qualities that we can all have. And you just have this quality of radiant positivity. Positivity, which is which is so nice, you know, and like to see your smile and all in this moment is really great. And so, thank you for sharing that with me because like I get to feel that nice wave of positivity. And Ted said that about you too. And it's like I, I definitely see what he was talking about. I appreciate the kind words, my man. And you know, I think it it's comes from a place of not trying to be that way. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm just like this is who I am. I don't know anything else. I couldn't pretend to be anything else. Like this is just me. So. You know, I think people can fake it. People can like try to be someone they're not and it comes through and everyone can tell, you know, and it's like the importance of being who you really are in this moment and being your truth and, and, and putting your truth out there. So many people are, are trying to, you know, like negativity is so widespread. Mm -hmm. I also think the world needs more people who are actually feeling good about themselves people feeling happy to so just say they're feeling happy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, that's what I am. I'm just, I feel joy in my heart. I want others to feel that as well. I can't, you know, <laughs> scream at them to tell them, feel more joy, but I can express it with my being. And if you got that from this conversation, then that means the world to me, man, because that is, that's just my truth. And mm -hmm. I'm grateful it comes across. Well, I'm, I know I'm not the only one, which is really cool. And I completely agree with you. There are so many people that have so much positivity to share, 
but that maybe they're introverted or they think that no one wants to hear it. It's like, no, you, you need, you need, please, we all need to hear it. You know, the person that you least think needs to hear it is the person that probably does. It's like, oh, wow, I really needed to, I really needed to hear that today. And this is where kindness and, and, and sensitivity and presence in the world can really make a difference. Sometimes the simplest gesture, like what I often say is when we screw up, the world will not hesitate to tell us, but we will never know, never know the impact of the good we do because some people will just not tell us and so when i have a really great experience with a a, a call service agent like a, a customer service for service agent on the phone i'm always like thank you can i can i please talk to your supervisor and give a and give a compliment and they're always really nervous like really i'm like yeah and i talk to the supervisor and they're like wow thank you no one ever says anything nice about our agents but then yeah. people just don't pass along good vibes like that because they feel like they can't for some reason. I don't really understand, but it's now it's needed now more than ever, not just for the environments room, but so for we can feel like we have the permission and the freedom to share it. Mm, that's so beautiful, that example. And it's like, how can, it's like, it just takes you to think about how can I make someone's day today? How can I make someone smile? And if you just constantly ask yourself as that like background question in your head, as you're going about your day to day, you'll find a way you'll find someone who does something good and you're going to be able to give them a compliment and they're going to be feeling good because you gave them a compliment and that compliment's going to help them do something else where they wouldn't have done it otherwise. So just the cycle of positivity is so real and it starts with us in every moment of just the ability to give someone a compliment to just put our best foot forward, put kindness forward and continue the circle of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be so nice just to say to somebody like, Hey, I really like your shoes. If I really mean <laughs> yeah. it, you know, people get so, so surprised. Like, yeah. It's really simple. Well, this actually leads me to a question about, you know, where we can talk about the impact of, of our mission on our, we'll say professional life, but have, have your friends, have your family, have they seen a difference in you? Like, wow, you seem, you seem really different or have they been impacted by what you do? Yeah, it's uh it's a really good question and what happened was I started reviewing this mindset folder that Tej actually gave me that I customized to myself mm. in September of 2019 and the title of the folder was Danny 2.0 and I read this every day for I don't know 6 months, 7 months whatever it was and then in March of 2020, my parents start calling me Danny 2.0 without any knowledge of the folder. And just goes to show wow. like, yeah, how crazy is that? It's nuts. So yeah, they noticed such a change in me that they said to themselves, okay, this is a new person. This is a 2.0. This is an entirely better version of you. And it was like, I was reading the version of that person for six months. And that came to reality six months later. So pretty crazy. Um, my brother, we got, we became so much closer and like I was helping him do 75 hard and, you know, like just a, I'm a completely different person than I was two years ago. I'm a completely different person um, than I've ever been. And it's just my truth and it's impacted my family and my uh, friends in such a way that is uplifted and helped. And I'm so grateful for that. And I just continue every day just to try to do my best, to put my best foot forward because I know how much it actually matters. Mm, it, and matters. it matters with I'm your family. For it. 
Oh yeah. Imagine with your family, most of all, right? Like those are the people you really have the opportunity to impact positively. Yeah, absolutely. And like your family knows, especially if you're living with them. Like I am like my, the biggest compliment my mom gave me was that she looked at my website, looked at my tweets and was like, this is really you. And I was like, thank you. And that meant the world to me. That meant more than anything because it's like I'm presenting a real version of myself on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like lip service or it's not just like tweets. It's not just like how I want to act. This is like how I'm actually living. And my mom sees it every day. She knows what the types of things I say. She knows that what I do. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that to be presenting a real version of myself on the internet. And how about your dad? What does your dad say? My dad um, is very hardworking and very hard-nosed and very um, just he is sees me in, in a completely different light. We have such a better relationship. Mm-hmm. We are able to connect in such a way where we weren't able to before. Um, and it's just from taking responsibility for our relationship and taking responsibility for um, understanding that we didn't see eye to eye all the time when I was growing up, but it was my fault. And just thinking it, taking responsibility for that and making it my fault. And I changed. And so that allowed us to uh, become closer. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that as well. As a result of the work that you've done. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm curious about that because it sounds like, because I know that process as well that, you know, my dad had really high expectations for me and I've been through my own process of kind of wandering and, but I've, I've stepped into doing the Renaissance of men and gotten comfortable in what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause he's a, he's a lawyer. He's a, he's a real estate attorney and he loves his job. He loves what he does and he works all the time. Like he's in, he's in the seventies. He works all the time and loves it, you know? Wow. And, uh, but, and I never really found my way to that until now. And now it's like, we're both talking like, yeah, we're just working all weekend. What'd you do? I worked and it's like, it's really nice to see him in that way. And to be able to reconcile through, through working, which you would be, it, it sounds surprising to say that I would reconcile with my dad in this way through, through working, but it's being fulfilled in what we do. Yeah. Uh, my dad also a lawyer, um, and also, you know, hardworking and like I said, and so, yeah, it, it's really just about, for me, it was about understanding that I was the one who was at fault for, you know, our relationship and taking responsibility for it, whether or not I actually was mm. just like, mm-hmm. um, taking responsibility for everything and making everything my fault. And from that place and, and going above and beyond for everything that he wanted me to do, you know, like just errands and chores and all this stuff and like doing the extra mile and, and you know, giving everything I had to everything. And that that's played a huge role in uh, helping our relationship. So it's not necessarily fault. It's more like, no, I'm, I'm taking this. Was it that Jocko says radical accountability, radical ownership, extreme ownership, extreme ownership. That's it. Yeah. You sort of took that extreme ownership onto your relationship with your dad. Totally. It's exactly what I did. And then how did your brother respond to 75 hard? It was awesome for him. He, he, um, he was always hardworking. He's always, he's a great student. He is able to take on anything. Um, and he, he was just absolutely shredded and ripped and like in the best shape of his life and mentally too. He started doing gratitude journal and five minute journal 
in the morning, every morning and meditating. And it totally transformed the way in which he operated. He was already operating at a very high level, but it was just like that next level. And it was really cool to see just his transformation because he started in June of 2020. And it was like, or I said to him in May, like, hey, I think you should try this program. I'll, I'll help guide you with whatever you need. And he was like, you know what? Like, I basically have no excuse. This is like in quarantine. It's nice out, nice mm-hmm. weather. You know, like, let me just do it. And the kid was absolutely shredded by the end of it. And it was, it was awesome to see his transformation. This is your younger brother. Yeah, younger brother. And then you have friends in Long Island as well who, who are noticing a change in you or have noticed, like, what do they think about your podcast? Yeah. I mean, the amount of support from friends all over has just been incredible to see like text messages and Instagram DMs and just like, you know, I I feel really blessed. You know, I had a great group of friends in college and the, the support from them in terms of just them seeing like Gary Vaynerchuk's coming on the podcast and like, whoa, what you're doing is awesome. So it's just really cool to inspire and and motivate and just help people become the greatest versions of themselves with my own actions and continuing to raise the bar on myself. And it's been really awesome to see, you know, friends reach out and everything. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I mean, when you think back to the guy that you were, say, three years ago, like project yourself back in time, different, look, look forward in time. Like, you know, how does that guy from three years ago feel looking at the guy that you are now? You know, I'm so bad at the predictions, right? Like I'm so bad because like, the amount of change that I've undergone in the past three years is like, I understand that some people will never go through in their entire lifetimes. And that is crazy. And I'm so, so incredibly grateful for that. And I've been able to do that because of the support from friends and family that I've had to just propel myself forward and to go inward. But where, where am I going to be in three years? I mean, dude, I have no idea. And I'm so excited Mm-hmm. Because if it's anything like the last three years, we're in for a, a really fun ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Madison Square Garden, maybe. Three years, Madison Square Garden would be pretty crazy. Um, we'll see if I put in as many reps mm-hmm. as needed until then. Until If not, I'll put in some more reps for three more years after that. And if not, then put in three reps, for, three more years for reps. It's like yeah. the reps is the game, right? Like that's, right. that's exciting. I don't know where I'm going to be in three years, but... I know it's going to be really cool to see 2024 and what's going on in my life. So, so as you, as you project back three years to who you were before you started this whole process. So three years ago, looking at who you are now, how does that feel? Feels, dude, it feels incredible. Like night and day energy levels, priorities, just who I am, what I'm thinking about on a day to day. I haven't taken a sip of alcohol in one year Mm. today. And three years ago, all I cared about was getting drunk with my friends and, you know, doing like drugs and just like not good things. Like my mind wasn't in the right place. And what is so exciting for me is if I can do that change and go from point A to point B, then anyone can do it. And I was like the worst. Like I, I truly just cared about myself. That was all I cared about and my friends. And that was, that was my like world and and drinking and all these negative habits. And instead I've said, okay, I'm going to just do all positive habits and see what happens. And it's one by one. It's not like Mm. it happened overnight. It started out with first getting my body right and lifting weights and eating right. Then it was like 
the next thing that I was going to add in was like money. And I was going to add in um, e-commerce and drop shipping and learning how to make money online. Then it was, okay, meditation and add that part. Then it was discipline and, and 75 hard and mental toughness. What you see today is a result of three years of work on myself. And the person I am is completely different. And don't get me wrong, throughout that process, I've got, it's hasn't been all up and it hasn't been like a straight shot and straight going to the top. But it's like from that place of like understanding you're going to mess up, you're going to have some periods where you go back down for a bit. It's okay. Just what's next? What's next? Next play, next play mentality. And, and understand I'm in a completely different place because of decision I made to, to take ownership of my life. This is the longest podcast I've ever done, and I'm so stoked about it. Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah. This is, this, yes. Like, how do you do it for the? You just do it. It just happens. It's awesome. So okay. So where uh, were we? I was asking uh, about that phase of life that you were in uh, three years ago, where you're drinking all the time, and you realize that you needed to to make a change. Like, where where did that come? That's a pretty big, you know, course correction. You know, change shift. Like, where did that shift come from? I mean, that's a big that's a big a big change to enact. Yeah. So seventy five hard was the reason, and I stopped drinking a year ago because of three different reasons, which all like kind of coincided. One was quarantine, mm. one was 75 hard, and the other was that it just didn't serve me anymore. Mm. And it didn't serve my being, and it didn't light me up. And it was like, when I realized all three of those things, like, and they all coincided, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not gonna drink. And I never like set an intention to not drink for a year, or not to drink for X amount of time. It was just one of those things where I was like, this doesn't really help me in any way. This doesn't help me get to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. I want to be on Madison Square Garden and talking to the coolest people in the world and interviewing them, right? Like that's not, <laughs> and can I drink and, and get to that place? Yes, but can I pursue the highest version of myself and get to that place? Probably not. And mm-hmm. so the more you continue pursuing the highest version of yourself, the more the things that don't serve you anymore just come away mm-hmm. and drop to the wayside. So that that's kind of what what's happened for me with alcohol use at least. Yeah, I mean that that's pretty not necessarily alcohol for everyone, but I think a lot of men at all stages of their life struggle with alcohol, weed, video games, pornography, yeah. where they feel these things are just this enormous drag on them and they're addicted, definitely addicted. But but the addiction is more than just the thing is bad for me. The thing is actually holding me back from being the man that I want to be. And it's, you know, I, I honor you for being able to drop that and seeing and having this desire to live. And that's what I think of is like, I know I want to live. I don't want to be stuck in this, in these habits that are holding me back. Like I want to live and I honor you for that. I appreciate that. It's, it's just a, it wasn't like a, like a, a intention. Like I said, it wasn't. I'm going to do this for a year. It wasn't anything like that. It was just happened as a result Mm. of quarantine and 75 hard and the things that I was doing. And then when I wasn't doing 75 hard, I wasn't like, I need to drink right now. Like I was like, you know what? Life is going pretty good without drinking. Let me just keep doing that. And all of a sudden, a year later, we're we're sitting here and talking. Mm. So I, I think that it's helped me tremendously with momentum and energy and money and just an, an ability, a clear headedness that I never had before it consistently. 
all these things is just like made it a no brainer for me at this point in my life. And you know, it's not for everyone. Like mm-hmm. not drinking is like drinking. You can drink. Like I have nothing against people who drink. Mm-hmm. It's just this personal decision and personal growth has happened in part because of it. Well, you were being called down another path where, exactly. you know, you couldn't do that path and drink at the same time. You know, maybe, maybe you could have a glass of wine or a whiskey or whatever you're into here and there. I mean, you've chosen not to, which is completely honorable, but like to the degree that you were, those two versions of yourself are incompatible. Those two, they, you can't walk both those roads at the same time. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's a completely different person than who I was, you know, three years ago and just completely different priorities and different things that I valued. And that's the thing. Like, I'm so grateful for that person three years ago because that person gave, gave way to who I am today. Mm-hmm. And even though he wasn't making the right decisions, even though I'm not proud of some of the things I did, I still know that I got to this place in part because of the mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for who I am in part because of the mistakes I made and the things that have happened to me and the things that I've done. So can't look back in that sense of being upset. You have to look back with gratitude and appreciation for, for truly who you were and, and thinking like, wow, if I can come from that place and get to here, what, like, who else can do that as well? And how can I help someone along that journey get there as well? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I have a greater understanding of someone in that situation than I would have if I was just born like this. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I'm grateful. Truly grateful. Well, you, you said it really well. Like you have a better understanding, you know, of, of men who are, of people who are stuck in this place from having, from having been there. And again, this is what consistency over perfection, same thing, same thing. Like you weren't born perfect. You went through your struggles and you overcame them. And now you have a lot of compassion and empathy and care for people who are dealing with the same thing. And the experience that you went through because you had the strength to go through gave you that. And where would you have gotten that otherwise? You can't just wave a magic wand and have it, but it's only your struggles that gave that to you. Exactly. And our struggles define us in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And, but they only define us to the extent that we let them define us. And we can overcome them and we can be a different person and we can change. And I'm living proof and a testament to that because my brother says to me sometimes, I don't even remember who you were. You know, I know you were a different person, but like, you're not the same at all. And I was, I'm like, I know, like, this is, a res- you see all the books that like, that I are, are on the shelf. You see all, all the things that I've been doing. Like, this is a result of that. I've been putting in the work consistently for three years on and off. And like, it hasn't been all uphill, but I've just, whenever, (laughs) whenever it goes down, I I get back up and, and it's just like a never ending process and and it will be a never ending process, but I will continue pushing forward always. And it's just that mindset of like, you're going to be in a better place. I'm in a better place today, three years ago than three years ago. And the reason why is because I made the decision and that decision is is available to so many people. And yes, am I blessed with a, a family that supports me in, in terms of love and, and guidance? Absolutely. Am I blessed with friends? Absolutely. Am I blessed you know, with the ability to read and the ability to use the internet? Absolutely. But I made the decision. It all started mm-hmm. with the decision to say, I'm going to take ownership of my life. I'm going to take ownership of, of my body first. That was mm-hmm. the first thing. And 
from that, you just continue and build and build on it, build on it, build on it. And all of a sudden you're looking back like, who the hell am I? Like, this is not who I was not that long ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, you can, you can give someone all the advantages and all the opportunities in the world. And uh, that just makes it easier in some sense, but they still have to do the work. They still have to yeah. do the work. And of course, there are plenty of people that have advantages that then, you know, buy their way to some amount of success. But you watch that blow up spectacularly all the time because they haven't put in the reps. And that's mm-hmm. the thing is that when you become, you know, a self-made man in some sense, where that comes from is not that the whole world was handed to you or, or that you created the whole world that you were born, you know, naked in the forest and you assembled the internet yourself. Like it doesn't work that way, but there's still this effort of, I made consistent, high integrity choices over time to create something that would not have existed otherwise and that no one handed to me. And no one can explain that feeling until you have it. And I I think there's something so fundamental about being a man in that way. It's like, yes, this is mine. I built this with with my bare hands and my intention and it wouldn't exist otherwise. And that's a really special feeling that some men, I think all men really crave, but so many men are afraid to really put themselves out there to create. It's hard because making those decisions to take responsibility means that you have responsibility and you have, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's hard to have responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's more rewarding. Absolutely. But it's also hard and it's why people don't do it. Right. It's why people are willing to just take the easy route. And, and it's like, but the thing is, it's like, you have to see for yourself on the other side. It's a beautiful place. The responsibility is something you welcome and is something that becomes a good thing and it becomes helpful to you and others. So I'm grateful for the responsibility. And every day when I get more messages from people telling me how much what I did is changing their life, I have more responsibility and it makes me feel better. And it's like a never ending cycle. Mm-hmm. And when I step onto the stage at Madison Square Garden, I'm going to have a hell of a lot more responsibility Mm -hmm. than I do today. Mm -hmm. That's part of the process. But at the same time, I'll have affected so many more lives and I will have grown as a person to get to that point. And it's about the journey, right? Like I I don't care about whether I achieve the Madison Square Garden or not. It's about the journey of trying to achieve that. That's what I'm really after. That's what I'm craving. And the responsibility is going to grow. It has to grow to get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because maybe you'll end up at Texas, the Cowboys Texas Stadium, which is like a hundred thousand <laughs> people. You know, well, that's yeah. that's the reps, right? Like the responsibility. Just like I'm sure you have, but like let's just picture that. Like you're walking into a stadium with I don't know how many at Madison Square, like sixty thousand people or something like that. Twenty thousand seven hundred sixty-three. <laughs> that's awesome that you know that. That's so fantastic. That's exactly that is exactly the right answer that I would want to hear. Like he knows the exact number down to the right number of seats. Like that's how you that's how you make your dream real is like you can't just say oh it's this many it's like you know the exact number because you can picture all those people so you're sitting on the floor and you're whatever the stage looks like in your mind there's there's you sitting there with them in a chair and someone else sitting there in a chair and you've got the microphones and there's 20 plus thousand people um listening to you that have paid money like the twenty dollars thirty dollars forty dollars you know or in their cheap seats you know uh, maybe 20 or 40 but like if they want to be close to where you're at where you're at and who the guest might be like who knows right thousands of dollars you know so until you've put in the reps to have a good conversation to know that when the bright lights come on like people 
legitimately are expecting something real from you in that moment. And because you've put in the reps, that's why you know that you can deliver. And you couldn't just do that now. Like, it was like frozen, you know, but the reps lead to that. That's, that's amazing. And I do that exercise every single day, oh, wow. imagining myself in that moment. And I think I want to highlight that point of like the reps. And we spoke about it so much, but it's all practice for the big moments. This mm. is practice for the big moment. You know, you know, every single conversation is practice for the big moment. And when that happens, when you start looking at life that way, you realize the significance of the little moments. You realize the significance of working in the DJ booth by yourself. You know, what is this? This is pointless. And all of a sudden it leads to a podcast. It's like those moments were practiced for this moment in some way, mm -hmm. right? So every moment is practiced for the big moments. You just sometimes don't know how it's going to manifest. But when you have that intention and you're clear on it, it becomes easier to say to yourself, okay, this is practice for the big moments. Anytime I'm expressing myself, it's practice for a big moment. And it makes life a lot more fun. It makes it a lot more joyful. And it, and it just keeps me going on the path in, in such a way that excites me about life and the curiosity of, oh, what's going to happen next? How is this going to lead to that? How is And it's just a never-ending windy road that is super exciting. And just because I set that intention that is so massive, that is like hard for me to wrap my head around, and it's open to us to set that intention anytime we want, but it requires us to then put in massive amounts of work. And that's when it's easy to get scared by it. But you understand the mountain's going to be there no matter what. Might as well set it to make it a massive one mm -hmm. is how I think about it. And something that inspires you and that resonates with your yeah. values. It's like the idea exactly. it doesn't have to be at Madison Square Garden for having a podcast for someone else. And maybe you maybe you want to be the world champion kickboxer. Maybe you want to win a Nobel Prize or something like that. Exactly. It's got to align with va your values. And there's this quality of it pulling you forward like, oh, I, I, I want to be doing this clearly. And then you just have to kind of let go and well, not let go. It's this weird thing of like you have to hold on enough to do the work, but let go and just kind of trust the process. Totally. It's exactly how I think about it of like setting the intention, then letting life take you wherever you want to go, knowing that you're putting in the work, that you're doing everything that you know you should be doing, and then just releasing yourself. Like, you know, I don't feel like I'm acting on this podcast. I don't feel like I'm, I'm talking. I feel like mm -hmm. when I'm doing a good interview or I'm interviewing someone, I feel like there's like a force guiding me in some way. Mm -hmm. Like it's the best way I could describe it because some of these questions I, I come back to, I'm like, who came up with that? Like, I didn't say anything or do anything <laughs> mm -hmm. in that moment. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure you've experienced that as well. It's like just absolute shock at yourself and just been like, I, I didn't come up with that. That came from somewhere else. And I always think that like my best ideas come from nature or like, you know, download from somewhere. But yeah, it's... uh. It's exciting. It's exciting for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you know the, the feeling of being in the flow. And that's the flow state. That's like, it. I'm not talking right now. I'm being and my mouth is involved. <laughs> and my ears, of course, as well. But I don't, I don't conceive of it like I'm formulating the senses. I'm just expressing myself, me being me. And I happen to do it well, you know, through, through talking. And other people have their own way of doing it well. And the thing yeah. is to find that for you. And that's the gift that you bless people with. Exactly. And to just understand that... If you enjoy it, that is, that's everything, right? Like if you enjoy the process and some people also enjoy it too, like you're, you're blessed if you found that thing. Cause it took me 25 years to find that thing for myself. And I'm just 
I'm just grateful to have found it and grateful to, to keep going on the path. Well, there are so many men that will go 50 years, 75 years and not find it, exactly. you know, and it's not that they don't necessarily always that they don't have opportunities, although it may be that they don't, but uh, how many missed opportunities as well. And that's the, that's the real give gratitude because you know, what gave me, me meaning me personally, like the sense of like, oh, I better, I better grab that opportunity. I can see it. And I still chose to do it. There's something inside me. And that's a gift. It's, that's a, definitely a gift. I can look back and, and you talk about the big events of life that it's really easy to understand. How did I get here from the big events of life? But we don't actually remember the little tiny insignificant events that may have played a huge role, but it didn't seem like a big idea, a big thing at the time. Talking to the right person at the right time, or they said the right word, some sort of throwaway in, in action in line at the grocery store may have been a really big thing, but we don't remember that. We remember the major events that play in. Yeah. And that's like going back to that, you bring up that Jordan Peterson thing with him talking to the crowd, because now I'm going to be uh, YouTubing Jordan Peterson Bible series and, and watching that. And that might inspire me and change me in some way and, and help me get to where I want to go. And who knows, right? Like that might lead to an interview with Jordan Peterson just because you suggest it. So you don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's such, so beautiful that you like, you don't know what moment's going to play a role. And that's why I just like surrendering and just being mm -hmm. present. Like we've talked about so much in this conversation already. Oh, surrender is, that's a word that I think about a lot. It's like, you just got to surrender. You have to participate in the process and you have to surrender to it. Maybe like you're in a rowboat going down a river. Like, yeah, you can just kind of sit and let the river carry you. But if you actually like row or you a sailboat on the oceans, maybe a better one, like you're looking at the currents and the wind carry you wherever. But if you put the, and I love sailing too, you put the sail up and you set it the right way and you grab hold of the wheel and you hold on and you can go anywhere with that. But you participate with life as well as, uh, you know, as well, as well as let it be what it wants to be. It's a perfect analogy. That's great. That's great. Well, we've talked a lot about uh, some, some of the books, but I, and I know that you have a pretty extensive library. Like, What are some of the other books that, uh, that people have, that, that have uh, really inspired you and, and that, that play a big role in your philosophy and, and the way you live? A big, I was just looking back at the, uh, I have some books on the shelf over here, but some, some really important books that have shaped me are Conscious Living by Gay Hendricks. Gay Hendricks is this wise 75-year-old man who just exudes such love. And he's a psychologist by trade and he works with a just deep sense of love. That's like the best way I could put it. And when I read that book, and I have it right here somewhere, he I felt such love and I felt such openness and I my life had transformed. And it was as a result. I'd been following this pra the practices in this book without even realizing that I was following it. Mm. And it was so trippy to read and be like, wow, like now I can help pe direct people to this place and do this instead of this. And another book that I need to reread since I read it last August. But uh, that was a hugely important book. Another, I actually have right in front of me, is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Mm. And he, Matthew McConaughey is an absolute animal. He went on this podcast tour where he went on a million different podcasts. And I was like, huh, green lights this is really interesting. It turned out that Matthew McConaughey is not only an award-winning, incredible actor, he's also an incredible, incredible writer and storyteller. Mm. And I read this book in like 24 hours and it's probably the fastest read wow. of uh, 2020. 
So that was a, a very important book for me. Um, I have a bunch on my website that I, I recommend people check out. And you can do that at dannymiranda.com slash notes. And the reason I, I tell, we t- me and Tej talked about this in our podcast, but I don't like to recommend books because in order to recommend a book to someone, that's right. You know, you have to really, and you didn't ask for me to recommend, but it, like you have to really understand their circumstances and you have to understand what they're going through and what, you know, it's like a doctor would diagnose you. And, and sometimes I'll have a friend and they'll be going through something and they'll tell me they're going through this and I'll be like, okay, here's this book for you. I know this book will help solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And I get them the book and it's really helpful. But yeah, I, I don't recommend people um, just like take book suggestions um, or at least take them with a grain of salt, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like see the source, see where it's coming from, see if you align with that person and how they're living. And if you'd like to live that way too. And if, and if the book sounds interesting to you, right? Like you've got to want to read it yourself. You've got to want to be into it yourself. So that's how I think about it. I've never heard of those gay Hendrix books. I also have a section on my website, randofmen.com slash library, where there's a lot of books it. about this men's movement, uh, which is something I'm particularly passionate about, about all the ways that men seek to improve themselves as men. And so I've read tons of these books. And so I have recommendations for those. So I know how much it is like, well, I can't exactly recommend a precise book to you unless you tell me what you're struggling with. I have a few that I go to, but maybe there's one that's exactly right for you if you share more about where you're at. Like, I think what was it that Ted said is like a doctor can't prescribe you medicine. Exactly. You know, I thought that was a great analogy. Yeah, that's exactly how I think about it. Well, this has been absolutely outstanding. I've, I've really enjoyed talking with you and you said this is the longest podcast you've been on. See, this is how you do a long podcast. You just do it. <laughs> I love it, man. I mean, this tests my focus and listening and just, it, it brought me to a place where I haven't gone in two and a half hours. So Thank you for the opportunity to expand my my palette of podcasts and, and skill set. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your curiosity. And this has been a lot of fun, man. This has been great. I mean, we created this together. And that's the, be- that's the best thing. It's like we, with the two of us, created this third thing through the conversation, which is the best feeling, right? Yeah. And it can be shared extensively throughout the world and as many times that people want to listen to it. It's incredible. I'm so grateful, man. Thank thank, you. Thank you. And thank you for your openness and thank you for your focus and for your willingness to participate in this experience and to be open to like try, like rather than saying, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's just you, right? It's like you're open to the experience of let's try talking for two and a half hours and see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. It's always new. It's always fun trying something new and you always learn something from that. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, where can people go to learn more about you and what you do? They made it two and a half hours. So if they're still listening, you'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised. (laughs) I I recommend going to twitter.com slash Hey Danny Miranda and shoot me a message uh, to let me know, Hey, I made it through two and a half hours of you speaking and you know, um, I, and give me your thoughts because your, your unadulterated, unfiltered thoughts of what you thought, because I really appreciate whoever listened to us for two and a half hours. Um, send me a direct message. I respond to everyone pretty much. So yeah, that's the best place to find me. And then my podcast, Danny Miranda podcast, more stuff like this in a shorter version. I normally tap out after an hour and a half usually. So if you'd like that in a 
if you'd like me in a shortened time frame, you could do that. Check out the YouTube. Yeah, that that's pretty much all we got for today, right? Yeah. Well, I'd like to encourage my listeners. You know, I know many of whom will love to hear everything that you have to say. I got a lot of guys that are going to be so stoked to hear this, and I'll tell them. And and for my guys who are listening to this, you know, go, definitely go to if you get here, definitely go to Danny's Twitter and send him a message and and let him know because uh, if uh, knowing knowing you guys like I do, I think you're probably really enjoying everything we've talked about and everything that Danny had to say. Hell yeah. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, man. This has been the best. Oh, yeah, it has been. Thank you. episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.